As the countdown begins to the 21st century, it's good to know there is still one number you can always count on. Bond. Bond. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? Hello and welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends. This week, James Bond is carefully reading through the British-Australian trade agreement to see if he could actually do a mission down there for the first time in 60 years. So I'm your film and host, James Page from MI6, and this week we are doing a watch-along of The World Is Not Enough, which was Calvin's choice on our mystery vote this week. So would you like to introduce yourselves, Bill, Calvin, David, Ben, and Lisa? Hi, I'm uh, Bill Koenig. I run a blog called The Spy Command, and I have with me next to the laptop a copy of the first draft that uh, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade turned in for this movie. And uh, I can't, won't be able to cite a lot from it, but uh, I do have one page open, and we'll get to it at a certain point, describing their original depiction of Christmas Jones. Hmm. I'm Calvin Dyson, and uh, as of recording, I run the Calvin Dyson YouTube channel. It may have been removed uh, due to copyright uh, by the time you're hearing this, but uh, for a while I was uh, uploading content on there covering various aspects of the James Bond franchise. Well, I can say I knew you when you were famous then, Calvin. (laughs) David Lee here. Uh, I run the jamesbondossier.com. Next to my laptop, I have a vodka martini to celebrate National Martini Day. Um, I've also Yay. got some official No Time to Die uh, popcorn again. Oh, God, no! <laughs> it's going to be stale by now, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure if I said before, but it, the expiry date is September, so it wouldn't even be good when say, the film comes they, out. Yeah, they must have... I was wondering about that last time, though. Did they mass-produce a whole, like shipment yeah. of No Time to Die popcorn and then move the date of the film. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Ben Williams. Uh, I write for the charming little magazine uh, MI6 uh, Confidential and uh, the website MI6HQ.com. Um, it's 11.25 as we're recording this, so it might be a little... Uh, sun might not quite be over the yard arm for me to have a... <laughs> Uh, vodka martini um, but I will be indulging in one a little later today. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Funnel. I'm an associate professor at the University of Oklahoma. I'm the author of the Geographies, Genders and Geopolitics of James Bond with Klaus Dodds, the editor of For His Eyes Only, The Women of James Bond. And I am drinking a matcha latte in my new 007 mug. Uh, where the gun barrel changes color when you put hot liquids in it. Wow. Oh, man. That sounds awesome. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So my friends at Bond Minute Bond, uh, they saw me gushing over it and ended up sending me one, which was very kind of them. And I have spent the entire morning and was almost late for this podcast, literally putting warm water and then cold water and warm water and cold water. (laughs) (laughs) I ran out of batteries. (laughs) I know. But it's amazing. 
You are a Bond uh, fan, no question. <laughs> it's the little things that get that get me. I don't need fancy stuff like a mug that changes color. Rock on. You don't. You, you, you don't need a three point five million Aston Martin DB five replica with gadgets. So. But I'll take it if you want to gift it to me, Aston Martin. They <laughs> <laughs> know it's a, those are beautiful cars. Wait till uh, the tax the, bill arrives. What's yeah. the most, what's the most unusual uh, bit of paraphernalia, um, bomb paraphernalia that we'll, we'll I got have? A, I, got a box of, I got a box of Sean Connery rubber bands. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, thought, I had... Uh, yeah, go on, go I, I had an Ericsson press kit from Tomorrow Never Dies. When you opened it up, you'd hear a recording of Desmond Welland. Now pay attention, 007. <laughs> I sold it uh, for like a dollar because no one wanted it. <laughs> I've got a I've got a tea towel with Roger Moore on it uh, that says "Live and Let Dry." Oh. <laughs> I um I have a napkin from a uh, a friend of my stepmom's when I was ten years old went to a charity ball that was hosted by an actor called Chris Bison who was in Coronation Street here for two to three years and he had a charity gala called Bison's Big Bond Bash and one of her friends thought that I would like a napkin from the event so I have this embroidered <laughs> napkin. <laughs> From this C-list celebrity uh, charity gala. I, I once had some uh, James Bond boxer shorts, but uh, just erase that from your memory. Actually, I, I still do the ones that I won at the 95 uh, James Bond convention in New York. I, I don't really have anything weird. Um, I do have nail polish that says time for a bonfire. So, I mean, I, thought that, I don't like the color, but I bought it just because on the bottom it said time for a bonfire. So I guess I'm nervous nice. that way. <laughs> All right. So fo- followers of the MS6 community will know this, but Ben, there's a, there's a pretty famous world is not enough drinking game, isn't there? <laughs> uh, yes. So, I don't know how I invented <laughs> this, but I, it, it somehow got around. So we're going to do a little, I'll, I'll kind of do a cut down version of this in the background. So when you hear this noise, he's put his hand in his pocket <laughs> and you take a drink. Oh God. I should have gone for beer or lemonade. <laughs> and I've got another sound for when he touches his face. And in the interest of like public health safety and in the pandemic, I think mm-hmm. we should bring it to everybody's attention when Bond touches his face. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so you'll hear that as we go along. All right, Calvin, you won this week. Mm. So, um, have you been practicing? Oh, am I, am I doing Yeah. It? Cause I, I totally forgot to download the audio of the other person. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh, I haven't been practicing. Oh, this is terrible. Well, just give Calvin a second to gather himself together. Real, a quick trivia note. This was the first Bond film actually released as an MGM film. Now, some had been released as MGM UA and all this stuff. But basically, at the time of this was released, uh, MGM decided to kind of forget about uh, UA as a marketing logo, right. and uh, we're we're watching a home video version, but in the theater it was an MGM 75th anniversary logo. So mm. this was the first one actually released as an MGM 
film, the only mention of United Artists is in the end titles, where in the copyright notice it says copyright 1999, United Artists Corp, Dan Jack, whatever, et cetera. But, and their, their success streak lasted all of two movies. That's right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, you ready? You ready, Kevin? And we just did the part where the lion fades in, yeah. Yep. Yeah. In three, two, one, play. That was my best one yet. That's not bad at all. The key thing is that little growl after he roars. Um. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I actually really like Pierce's gun barrels. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's, he looks great in them. Um, and, uh, yeah. and by the way, um, the, the dot goes up, um, which is, I think, a first. And mm. opens up on Bond's face as well, yeah, which I right. think is the first. With glasses, no less. So, yeah. yeah. I remember this was a big it. thing, a big thing when these stills came out at first of yeah. Bond wearing glasses. Everyone was like, what, yeah. WTF? Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of issues with it. Um, issues, yeah. Like, people, people didn't, it, you know, it was it was the most contra- controversial thing to see him in specs, uh, you know, until he had a beer. Yeah, the, the good old or, days where that was a controversy. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and um, also, real quick, there in there are at least three different opening scenes in terms of the mm-hmm. scripts. Like Purvis and Wade had their pre-titles open up in Cuba. Uh, Dana, Dana Stevens, who did the second draft, hers opened up in Geneva, which is like, oh, Swiss bankers. That makes a lot of sense. But then in the final, it's like Bilbao, Spain, which they apparently did just so they could get that shot of that weird looking building. The yeah. museum. The, the, the Guggenheim, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Frank Gehry, isn't it? Designed yeah. It? Yeah. I've I've been I've uh, I've been to this location um, and it's Don't touch your face Oh means a drink Yeah I've got a refill now Oh my god I got a this uh, just to warn everybody this is going to happen more than you realize um <laughs> Uh, if you are on alcoholic beverages for this, uh, you will be toasty by about two thirds into the film. Oh God! Can I offer a yeah. different? I know that the glasses were a bit controversial. I thought he looked really handsome with glasses. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I, I like, oh, Pierce Brosnan looks good. Uh, yeah. So I find it interesting that it was a bit of a controversy. But when he's sitting there with the glasses, like holding them straight up, it's one of those things where I'm like, if somebody ever did that and they're moving their glasses around, you know, so obviously, right. uh, I would probably question like, what are you doing? And is that spyware? But of course, I always think that everything's like a spy gadget and like a camera because I watch so many of these videos. So Maybe I'm just I do, I, I do like Brosnan's kind of pissed off glare at the guys after he shot him in that scene. It sets the tone a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and in fact, Michael Apted on his commentary track uh, commented about that same shot. He was like very proud of that shot. He, mm-hmm. he thought it was great. He's a little four-four breaking. I I also kind of really like this uh, this escape from um, this is a bit red of a red Grant moment, isn't it? You know, like uh, yeah. the villain helping helping yeah, Bond I, out. I, I think wondering. this this sequence is great. I, I love it. Mm. Um, but his actual his actual ingenuity of how he uh, how he utilizes his yeah. environment takes a tip to get from, out takes a tip from Sanchez there. 
by stealing yeah. the thing from the blinds. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's, he's had that happen to him before, so he knows what to do That's in right. a different incarnation. Um, there's, your, there's your double feature. <laughs> <laughs> so this was supposed to be the big opening stunt, and then we were going to mm. go into the credits, right? Like this yep. jump off the yep. balcony. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really wish they'd done that, though, because I, I think it goes on for far too long. Hmm. Well, by, by the time they got to Dana Stevens doing the second draft, it then became that elongated... It was even longer than the final film because I think there was a scene where you, you don't see Renard, but I think right. it's like him talking to the cigar girl as it, yes. as she is described. It's in on the, the Blu-ray. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this was the first time I saw a Bond film and read one of the scripts before the movie came out. Hmm. And I don't want to get too much into uh, the details, but somebody had it said, do you want to see this? And either uh, I didn't answer and he sent it anyway, or I just said, uh, sure. But uh, in, in any case, I read it. I, I couldn't help myself. But like I said, it was the middle draft. It wasn't the final version by any means. But it was it was pretty close to the what we'd get. And um, But I, I found it intriguing, but uh, there were definitely some uh, changes to come. Hmm. So I have a question about then intentions here. I, I My students have asked me this and I don't necessarily have um, an answer to it. Is the film suggesting that Judy Dench's M and, um, oh, whatever his name is. Who's Robert, King. Be, Robert King. That they had a relationship, like some yeah. sort of beyond friendship? Was yeah, that planned? Because it feels like it's there, but it's not ever um, elaborated yeah. on. And I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to well, they read Laura at Oxford together, apparently. So I'm, I'm guessing they had a university kind of thing. And I can mm. never tell whether whether Brosnan is playing this sort of disdainfully. Whether you know, does he like King? Does he not like King? You know, does he? He sort of. There's moments where he sort of seems not to approve somehow. Yeah. This, also, this scene was was trimmed. This scene was trimmed a bit. Because yep. it included a li- included a line where M says, "Oh, 007, world is does not have secret volcano hideouts right. with big breasted mm. women." And they did film that. I've seen that on YouTube. Yeah, but, it's on the uh, Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, but that got trimmed out of the final film. Mm, yeah, uh, there's so much in this whole sequence. The MI6, uh, Pierce was going through more doors. Mm-hmm. Money Penny was running around. All that kind of stuff. I think. Yeah. I think it's a shame actually that this sequence ended up being in the pre-title sequence because I think it would be a great surprise if you had the titles and then you yeah. came into this thinking, okay, we're in the standard MI6 briefing now. Bond's going to get his mission and go off, and then it's interrupted by all this right. action. Um, I'm I think so that glad nice. that. M opted for ice because otherwise they would not have known. She changed. Um, she changed her drinking habits after Goldner. By the way, to, to answer Lisa's question, this is the Purvis and Wade original. These are the stage direction. Bond enters. Sir Robert King is perched on the edge of M's desk, chatting. Bond feels as if he's intruding, but mm. King shows no embarrassment. He moves toward Bond with an easy patrician smile, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's not spelled out, but. Uh, mm. It, the the stage directions hint at something, perhaps at least at least a deep friendship, if not a past relationship. Yeah. Hmm. It's a I great model is, shot. And, and mm-hmm. it, I think this is an important element here because this is the first time that we've really had an attack 
um, on UK soil and specifically in London, uh, Bond usually goes out into the world and that's where destruction takes place. And so it's interesting that it's happening here. And I think a lot of parallels can be made between the representation, say, of women in this film versus Skyfall. I think there's a strong comparison that can be made between these two films. But it's interesting to see that we're having a chase sequence, you know, happening and that there's imminent danger to the surrounding area, even though like maybe a couple tables get broken. Uh, it's right. not like a massive amount of damage that you can see, but there's like the threat or the potential of damage. And this is something new that we really haven't seen in a Bond film before. Mm. Also real quick, in the Purvis and White original draft, Bond is going after her with a jetpack, not mm-hmm. a boat. Yeah, oh. that, that got oh, changed yeah. later. And uh, I, I'm sorry to repeat this line. The boat is in the... Uh, the Q boat is in the custody of the Ian Fleming Foundation. I've seen it. Um, these were and I real guess boats. it's a real boat. It'll, it'll are, go in real boats, narrow yeah. water. But uh, there's, some, yeah, anyway. there's something the very team funny. Uh, I, I'll have to dig up the photographs because um, we got uh, we got to have a good look at the, the Q boat when um, when it went into the uh, Bond in Motion exhibition, um, and all of the all of the controls are labeled uh, stupid things like, you know, right. uh, in case of fire, press this, um, <laughs> you know, um, uh, there's, there's some, there's some good little gags in there. Um, and I'll see if I can dig up the photos and uh, add them onto the, um, onto the Twitter thing when it, when it goes live. Hmm. Uh, I remember the game for this. Um, hmm. and uh, quite a lot of this Dockland area is, um, is, is fairly well, uh, reproduced. Um, mm. If anybody's actually lives in London, um, the the geography of this actually does make sense, and it's it's quite what? rare when you see. It. Yeah, well, when you um, when you uh, when you see movies set in set in cities, and quite often you're like, well, how did they get there, and how did that happen? Yeah, um, like between actually, Westminster Bridge and Tower right. <laughs> Tower Bridge. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, um, yeah. The, the, the 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 spectre car chase is uh, is the, the grand master of that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but this actually this does mostly follow the um, you know the lines of of the Thames, and he actually does cut mm. through the Tobacco Dock area. You can yeah. actually do that little um, dog leg through there, that little shortcut through there. So. Mm. Um, it's interesting they, that they kind of keep the geography relatively real. They take liberties with how long it takes to get from one place to another. Right. But yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. I think like if you were to plan out, this is like an actual route that you could probably take, but um, yeah. just not in the time that they yeah, do. Because a good chunk of the audience is in London. <laughs> right. And, and Michael Apted in his commentary track um, says that he wanted to, one reason they include the Millennium Dome, Dome was to, give it a sense of, t- of the time the film was, was uh, yeah. made um, because obviously London's a very old city and there's parts of it that haven't changed or changed very little. So that's why the Millennium Dome shows up later. Hmm. I love this uh, part, by the way. I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say that. Straight from the tie. It's yeah, like yeah, from, from GoldenEye. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, I, I, can't I liked it too. That. I liked it too. That and is, I love the, da, 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 the music score. Yeah. It's it's really nice. I think it's Perfect. cute. I, I hate that bit. I hate all those bits. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I'm, with, I'm afraid I'm with David on this. I can't. Why would you strain your tie underwater? I don't know. Because he's blonde. That's why. Exactly. Nobody noticed. But the oil barrels that explode are king oil barrels. 
Never okay, missed that. I yeah. And Bond says, King Al. Go <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. They're our favourite clampers reality TV sh- stars of the day. <laughs> this got a huge, huge laugh. I don't know if it's the same thing worldwide. This, obviously, yes, I think stuff. pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of clever cuts here between the, the boat stunt, but Oh god. Mm. And there's a whole load yeah. of stuff, again, you can see it on the Blu-ray during this sequence where, uh, like, there's a cute dog in the road that Bond has to, like, swerve to avoid. And uh, there's, like, a disgruntled waiter who's pissed off about his tip that Bond sort of smashes into the front of the restaurant. Uh, th- yeah, this is so far into Roger Moore territory. It, I just, <laughs> oh, That's why I love it. Well, okay. It's why I don't. (laughs) Oh, and I love this, the Bond theme. Love it. It's great. How much of that was Vic Armstrong as opposed to uh, uh, Michael Apted, I wonder? Oh, this is all second unit. All of it second unit. And including the the torpedo that fires twice from the top. Oh, it really bothers me, the continuity (laughs) of it. It's like, oh, and then it goes again. (laughs) Considering the second one was an insert shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Good job. Well, well maybe. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to try and explain it. And there's already a hole in the fence. There's already a hole yeah. in the fence that she crashes into. Yeah. I love that Pierce actually did a lot of the driving around in this boat as well. Like how different this would be if it was right. you know, him against a green screen or something. Obviously, he's not doing the yeah. biggest stunts like the one well, we're coming up to, but he's it's him behind the wheel for a lot of the, you know, Close yeah. up and stuff. In that sequence, though, there was like one slight glitch where he's the like, roof he's, disappears he's, drenched, he's drenched, and then somebody's dry, and then he's drenched again. But yeah, but but I didn't see that till like the third time I saw it. So it's like I I give it a pass. But so Maria Grazia Cucinotto, who's the cigar girl, she auditioned for the role of Electra, but oh. her um her English wasn't up to it. So she got this role instead. And the person that she bumped out of this role that was up for the role of Cigar Girl was Kelly Brook. Oh. Yeah. Huh. That would have been different. Be very, yep. I think um she she's a she's a good little uh, villain. I think she she you know high impact for the screen in, time she's got. And yeah, in fact, exactly. I, I was just flipping through that first draft. The whole thing about the cigar, since he was coming back from Havana, Bond says Oof. to Money Penny, "Would you like a Havana?" You know, that was, right. I think, Oof. the origin of that cigar gag with uh, can, Money can, Penny. Can I be a bit and picky a, a, that a, a, um, the balloon wouldn't have blown up because they don't use hydrogen like they no. used to. They use helium, which is inert, so it wouldn't. Blow yeah. Up. Mm-hmm. Boring, that would have been great, wouldn't it? Not from him. <laughs> Slow descent. <laughs> well, it would have been, wouldn't it have been like, not from him? Because it was helium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it would have been funny. It would have been funny, but it would have been realistic, you see. <laughs> I think also apted in his... Uh, commentary track basically said about the Taz, I don't understand any of this. Danny Kleinman, he, he understands it, but I don't. Um, I, so here I, we have, but, here, but meanwhile, David Arnold gets yeah. a chance to collaborate on the title song for the first time, mm-hmm. first of two times. Mm-hmm. And uh, which we don't. I was, a, I, was a, I was a big fan of Garbage when this came out. 
And um, yeah. I don't think I don't actually think it's. I mean, they had nothing to do with the uh, writing of the song. Obviously, they just performed it. But um, mm. I think it stands up pretty good. I think it's. I think it's very Bondian. I think it's like a lot of Pierce Pierce's era kind of stuff. It's it it's drawing from uh, you know the, the the box of Bond. Uh, yeah. There's you know it, it it's not exactly pastiche, but um, there is you know. There's a lot of stuff that kind of like they do with Brosnan movies to kind of make you feel like you're in on familiar turf, um, and, and this you know this this track by um, Arnold is very kind of redolent of, of, of Barry's work. Um, Meanwhile, um, being the, close to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I uh, mm. what I meant to say was. Uh, at this point, the Bond films were still a family enterprise. I mean, beyond the Wilson Broccoli's, because I saw at least two Lamonts in the credits, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, and then there was uh, a couple of Woosters. Um, there's Peter, of course. So two of his sons, I guess, worked on the film. Um, yeah, it was it was very much a family enterprise at this point. Still, can I can I interject just before the title credits are gone? I actually read the women um, of the oil to be a little bit different than the women who've appeared in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that different people have different opinions, but I strongly believe that Electra King is the arch villain and the first true um, arch villain that we get um, of a woman in a Bond film. Electra King has her own theme. And it's really about her oil and her claims to her mother's legacy. And so there yeah. is sort of this strong element of femininity, its connection to this oil and her wanting to not um, do she basically rejects her father and she's there tapping into the lineage of her mother and so to read the mm-hmm. woman in oil I read her as being reflective more of Electra King and this desire to reclaim this this oil and her heritage rather than simply just being sort of some of the, the women who are just threatening Bond I feel like there's a different personal motivation at the heart of those images so just wanted to mm-hmm. share that yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, can I make a real quick point about the screenplay credit? We're now in the movie proper, but um, there were three main drafts, Purvis and Wade to begin with, Dana Stevens in the middle and Bruce Fairstein at the end. And initially they were going to go with just Purvis and Wade. And you can tell that by the novelization that says based mm-hmm. on the screenplay by Purvis and Wade. But apparently Bruce Fairstein uh, filed a grievance with the, with the yeah. Writers Guild and he he got a credit uh, late in the game, and uh, he did the final draft. In fact, face. he, he oh, sorry. Drink. <laughs> sorry, it's late on that one. <laughs> sorry, Bill. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so anyway, Dave Stevens didn't get a credit, but Fairstein did because he filed a grievance with the writers' guild. So that's all. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and here, and here we've got like. Um, two MI6 assistants to M, basically, right? So because we've got Tanner, Tanner from Golden right? and Colin Robinson, who was the Michael Kitchen isn't available character for Tomorrow Never Dies. What do we do? Stick them both in. And I remember going to see this early runs and Bond fans in the audience were like, woo, when Michael Kitchen showed up as Tanner, which I was uh, surprised Lisa, that he had that impact. But. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, do you think that um, that – female um agent sitting next to um bond is you know we've we've in thunderball you see a female double o agent as well um 
but is she do you think that she's um supposed to be is it is it just an uh, an inference inference that she's um she's a double o or do you think she's a, a uh, full fledged yeah. i mean i thought i <laughs> I always consider like it reminds me of the way that the chairs were set up in some of the older films where you ended up having all the agents sort of side by side and sort of a semicircle. And so I read that as being the same as the ones who are sitting down are probably the agents and the ones who are standing behind. It might be aides or assistants. Sorry about it. It's thundering like nothing else here in Oklahoma. (laughs) I'm trying to read it. Uh, But I do read um, her being there. And I think that it's interesting because this is a film that is heavily populated with women in a range of roles. And so to see Money Penny sitting in, maybe a, a female double O agent beside James Bond, J- Judy Dench as M leading uh, the briefing, um, uh, you know, the female doctor, the female assassin. Like there is, a, there, there is, there are a lot of women populating this film in a variety of roles. Now, whether they're progressive or aggressive, that's a whole nother thing. But I think it's interesting and I, I kind of like seeing it. I kind of like seeing a range and diversity of uh, when it comes to the casting. And I think secondary figures and cast members matter. It matters who's populating our screens. Oh, I forgot the... Uh... Bond puts his hand in his pockets. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna find it hard to catch uh, keep up with this because uh, it's it's literally all the time. Um, uh, as a farewell, as a farewell scene to Desmond, how does everybody feel? Um, this this treats uh, Q. I think it treats him quite well. It's a short scene. I like I like John Cleese anyway. I'm a fan um, of his acting anyway. And uh, yeah, <laughs> not you, so much uh, social commentary. Well, no, no. <laughs> um, and uh, Desmond goes out on a nice couple of lines. Um, it's yeah, the, the joking isn't with Bond isn't really with Q. It's with R or Q's right. assistant, depending on the denigration. So, yeah. Ooh. So um, but yeah, I, I think it's fine. I, I guess by your tone, you're not a huge fan, Ben. No, um, not at all. I was just curious to see what what people thought of this transition. Um, hmm. I always this particular scene always kind of makes me because you know. Bond is is essentially the same character. It's supposed to be the same character, and we have, uh, you know, Q now right. retiring as a mentor. Um, they're they're comparable ages, technically speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit odd uh, from that point of view. Uh, I, I, I've, I've got mixed feelings about it because. Um, in some respects, I, I, th- I think well, you know, he is clearly. Uh, too old for the role by this stage, yeah. but uh, there's no way I would have ever have the heart to kick him out either. So uh, it, it's uh, yeah, as I say, m- mixed feelings, mixed feelings. Well, I think this I was like- supposed to be like the first of like you know they, they would keep on bringing Desmond back, and I guess John Cleese would have had more of the technical stuff, but it just so happened that Ooh. Desmond Loyalan passed away um, yeah. not too long after the film was released. That's right. Yeah. I quite like the idea that you know for Bond fans, you can kind of imagine Desmond <laughs> sitting on an island somewhere fishing. It's quite a nice. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, in opinion. fact, when Fairstein wrote his first draft for what would become Tomorrow Never Dies. Q had been retired. There was another guy. But then Q shows up later to help out. 
But um, mm-hmm. so, so even two years earlier, don't they were kind of thinking that direction. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. Yeah, I know you want to touch it, but Sorry, please don't, don't touch your face. Oh, he's touching her face now. Yeah. What are we doing here? That's a bonus. That's, a, that's, that's, a bonus. that's, that's actually uh, appropriate social distancing. My, my, my first reaction was like, okay, I thought it was the horn going off. It's like, wait, I didn't mention any of those shows. <laughs> oh, wait, it's the, it's the face touching thing. I'm sorry. Um, well, it's oh, probably, okay, it's social distancing, but it's also a bit pervy as well. Yeah. yeah it's, a little bit. Um, it, it's weird that he would feel that he would do something so tender for someone who we, we've not even seen him met. have a scene with. He just right. saw her at the funeral from right. afar. Uh, I was going to say, that that funeral scene, I just wanted to point it out, but everyone's talking. There's an extra that looks directly in the camera in front of Bond. In that scene, it drives me up the wall. <laughs> Um, the other thing about that cue scene, it it veers wildly between tone because Cleese, the stuff with Cleese is like clearly slapstick. Yeah. But, you know, the thing with Desmond is supposed to be like a emotional Touching. moment. And mm. it's kind of weird how it goes back and forth between those extremes. Totally. I feel like me. the film is kind of like that. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of Brosnan puns that don't quite work. And yet there is some, a lot of serious elements to this, like Electra's kidnapping, the whole Stockholm syndrome thing, all of this scene mm-hmm. with them. It, it, it does sort of try to straddle both uh, sides. The, the year yeah. this came out, Brosnan gave an interview to Playboy and it's like, it's almost identical or at least extremely similar to the interview that Connery gave to Playboy in 1965, where it's like, both are saying the gadgets have taken over. We need more emotional, mm-hmm. uh, more emotional things in the movie it needs to be re- more real. And so, I mean, so it's, it's funny how two actors decades apart had similar mm-hmm. reactions um, to the role and to the films. Well, Bill, it's interesting. You should you should point out that scene with Q being slapstick, but also having uh, so R being slapstick, but Q being serious. It reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, but the scene where you know Bond has discovered Paris's body, right. um, and and you've got Doctor Kaufman being very slapstick, but but Brosnan playing it very kind of uh, traumatized as you as you would be if you'd found a, a, a you know your your lover murdered. And I think, you know, one of the things about these kind of, these mid-era Brosnans. <laughs> Got a hand in my parking. Um, and, can, can somebody um, arrange to cut the power grid in Washington State? <laughs> oh, my God. I have a question. Uh, I yeah. was wondering what everybody thinks about Judy Dench in terms of you start to see this increasingly maternal representation in the Brosnan era. Now, she's not necessarily maternal to, to Pierce Brosnan's bond, but she's being presented here as being very maternal when it comes to Electra King, so much so that logic and reason kind of go to the wayside and she sort of is is bound in and swept up in her emotions. And I get it's Judy Dench. If you're going to cast her, give yeah. her something to do. Whereas in the Cold era, it's very much like, Craig's bond is my, my child, but any thoughts on this shift or how you feel yeah, about her? I, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's poorly written um, really because the character, the character thus far hasn't really. Don't touch your face. <laughs> 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 
Oh, it's so good. Um, no, I, I just feel I feel like it. it it's a cheap kind of um, bit of writing. Um, you know, when you, we've established um, Judy Dench's M as, as a kind of a in previous movies, it's, it's a bit more kind of hard, and you wouldn't have that role. You wouldn't have that job as head of um, MI6 unless you unless you could could act kind of a bit dispassionately, like we see her mm. with Take the Bloody Shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's I think it kind of smacks of um, you know kind of cliche, but. Um, but you're that, right, Lisa. I think it it adds, you know, gives us something to do. But it, that, it, that I, I was may, sorry. I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say that may reflect sort of the tag team writing, where you know, like, so you have Purvis and Wade, you have Dana right. Stevens, then you have Bruce Fairstein, and between that, like, going across yeah. those three, that you have these little yeah. bits that kind of survive here and there. Apparently, Dana Stevens, she she really went to town on the relationships and and then they had to be rode back a little bit by Fearstein. No, I, I, was was just, I, I, I was just going to say that um, for, for me, this kind of stuff um, is an echo of the novels because usually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, M, you know, M is quite happy to send Bond off on, on his missions and so on, but there is a, a kind of paternal aspect to that. And then in uh, For Your Eyes Only, especially um, he sends Bond. Well, he, he doesn't actually send him. He asks Bond to go and on a mission to um, to Vermont to to, to kill um, mm. the the, uh, the killers of of his friends and uh, and they yeah yeah that, 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 that's right and, that's a remote uh, control car by the way just to sort of mm-hmm. interrupt that shot that transition shot between azerbaijan oil fields and into the black forest uh, just outside of pinewood uh, they just got a remote control car on a on mm-hmm. a tabletop and just that's one of my favorite things but sorry sorry david i didn't mean to interrupt oh, it's just it, that it, shot it's... is <laughs> <laughs> i didn't yeah i didn't know it was a remote control car uh but uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm just saying that they're, they're, this this kind of does come from the books. You know, it, it may not have consciously mm. been taken from from Fleming, but uh, it, it is there as well. Mm. I like yeah, it. I like seeing cool. more emotional sides to these people who are, you know, quite officious and um, stiff up it with each other and all that kind of stuff. I like that the guard is down. Um, I, I agree that it, it kind of comes down very quickly. It doesn't take much for M to be like, I'm going to tell you my life story now and really pour my heart right. out. Um, right. Whereas I think considering- it is battle in Skyfall, but I, I like it here. Yeah, considering she threatens to have him killed if she says her name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, t- I'll tell you all my relationships. The other yeah. thing is... M's kind of like, does she know that his medical is faked and is okay, you know, to mm. send him out? Because in Skyfall, she's she does it too. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's a companion. It's a companion film. There's your double header, fake, fake medical <laughs> records. <laughs> Real quick, in terms of the writers, um, in terms of what David mentioned, I suspect that's intended at least to an extent because Purvis and Wade do know they're Fleming. They get a lot of flack mm-hmm. from Bond true, fans, true. But, but they definitely know it. And so I suspect it's there at least to a degree. Now, I was also going to say about Dana Stevens, apparently she was brought in and she was married to Michael Apted at the time. She was brought in to beef up the character of Electra King. But then apparently the feeling was that 
that had gone too far overboard. Yeah. So then they bring in Bruce Fairstein to kind of restore balance. And one thing Fairstein did was like put in bits that had been taken out of Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. Um, so well, it, it came down to you can't have too much empathy for the villain. Right. Mm. And that's the problem they had with that draft. You can't have, a, you can't feel empathy for the villain and then cheer on um, killing her. I mean, that doesn't work. We get a That's lot right. of you, you, hand in pocket stuff here. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I feel some empathy for a lecturer, I guess. I mean, I I don't know if she was she like this before Renard kidnapped her. I don't know if we ever get a clear indication of whether it was that ordeal that kind of uh, you, you, you know, know she she says something about her mother. Uh, I. I Hmm. it's been a while yeah. since i've watched this i think she says something i think she definitely identified more with her mother than her father yeah yeah she talks about how the oil runs through her veins thicker than blood referring uh, to her I, mother's side of the family um I, i've yeah. always felt yeah I, I agree calvin i think it i've i've always taken it to be that you know she's using this kind of stockholm syndrome as a kind of a you know an excuse for it but cover. i think she's yeah. Mm. yeah cover for it but she's always um you know, I think she's always felt that it was um, a, a revenge long, you know, long in the making. Um, mm. She felt mm. that uh, perhaps uh, her father had co-opted her mother's, um, yeah. you know, true well, legacy. In, 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 in one of the lesser celebrated stunts, when when that mobile office gets dropped down and, and, and you know, collapses and everything, that was actually filmed as a stunt sequence. But, um, <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of lost da, in the movie, da, da, da. but it's, the, it's pretty impressive that you can just like plop this office down. And, <laughs> one one quick thing about Brosnan's appearance in Tomorrow Never Dies, he supposedly had put on twenty or thirty pounds of muscles. I put him on a weightlifting regimen, but I, I think they described, yeah, he just doesn't look quite right. You know, if he's skinny, he's skinny. Uh, just go Ooh. with it because he's definitely thinner here than he was in the previous film. Hmm. Well, I did, look, uh, look. Bond has always been described, and even by Fleming, as you know, slim but athletic. He has never been right. described Beefcake. muscle bound. Yeah, um, right. I think you know there was this um, hand in pocket. Um, there was. There, there's always been this kind of propensity to kind of certainly since um, since Craig has come along to kind of look back and criticise the the previous actors for not being. You know, beefy right. enough. Whereas, yeah, but it's, it's you know, like what, Connery was a strong man, and it, it, he's not the same as as Craig. It, 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 Craig's look is no. a very um, modern look, isn't it? That that's the that's the thing about it. it it's I, I'm go, I'm I'm going for the Connery and Diamonds of Forever look right now, <laughs> <laughs> without the so, tidy whities <laughs> So we're com we're coming up now on the ski thing, which is mostly done by the second unit, and, and Vic Armstrong says on his commentary track, "Yeah, I'm going for the Honor Majesty Secret Service look for this sequence, mm. and uh, especially here, uh, yeah, the two of them skiing down a, the mountain. I do love a bit of skiing. It's all good, yeah, isn't it? me too. But I, I mean, it, but I think this is where the Brosnans get criticised for like we've come up with this action sequence. We've got to put it in this part of the movie. We'll make it work." <laughs> um, right. Interestingly, you're, you're, you're making that comparison, Bill, because you know that we we talked about when we did Majesties last week um, the kind of the the way in which you can you know the, the helicopter shots giving it real kind of depth and yeah. um, and obviously you know technology's come on a little bit 
since that film and they're able to do kind of the shots a little bit more easily but uh, the cinematography definitely uh, is is copying or, or at least a reminder of uh, Majesty's Secret Service. I think I've always read this as being a reason for developing or copying it is to try to like create this sense or this impression that Electra King is your typical Bond girl. So much like Tracy, Bond is going to, you know, ski with her and save her and sleep with her. And she's going to be the Bond girl proper. And I feel as though what the film does is it sets this up and then sort of turns it in and shows us that she's just been masquerading as a Bond mm. girl. She's been utilizing um, Bond's emotions against him. And she's a very sort of post-feminist figure who uses sex and sexuality for her own gain without being judged for it. And I think that she is sort of setting this up so that she can then shock all of us when it turns out that, wait a second, she's actually the villain. So I, I've always sort of read the simplicity as sort of emphasizing their relationship and their connection rather than emphasizing like the skiing and the slopes. I think it's trying to set something up rather than being action uh, that's supposed to define him. I think it's supposed to define their relationship. Are these things yeah, called they... parahawks? Yeah. 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 Anyway, the parahawks powered by explodium. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and chasing the person that hired them. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it would have been a very different sequence if he'd have said, stick next to me and right. we're going to go down together. They're really lucky that he sent her off another way. Yeah. Um, well, that's it, because she could anticipate that's what he did. Oh, I'm sorry. That's another movie. Never mind. But, <laughs> that's Skyfall. Um, it's, it's inter- I, I think it's great that, um, you know, they've invented this uh, vehicle and it seems. You know, it's completely made up, but it um, mm-hmm. but it does seem it does seem uh, to be kind of realistic, doesn't it? Oh, you know, yeah. no, it was made up. It's, it's yeah, not it's totally made, made up. I see, I see huh. him fly around my house <laughs> with that um, type no, of parachute. The they were they were they were t- entirely developed for this film, um, yeah. which I think is quite a quite an interesting thing because at the time you see it and you go, oh yeah, no, that that's a vehicle. Um, Right. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's one of the. It's like the way that um, you know the underwater sleds in um, Thunderball were kind of like created for the movie, and but they make sense, you know. Um, I do like but this. Not- um, this back at the the lodge line as well. I I've, I've always hated it, Ben. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it because it catches me. He's like, Haha, here's my pun, and then the parachute comes oh, out that and part it's like, of it that uh, part of it yeah 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 that's, I, what, that's what i like about i should charge the uh ian fleming foundation a, a fee every time yes. i mention it they have some of these pair hawks too so you hear the engine restarting when the parachute opens which <laughs> to throw back sense. again previous comment though i think that what we're seeing is that there's an overemphasis on those actual vehicles rather and because it's like new and innovative rather than the Mm -hmm. way that they're being shot in an effective way like as as much as i sort of said it was there about connection but some of these inner these scenes where you know bond and electra are not together i don't feel the same dynamism that i felt during you know the more era when he had his snow sequences and even Mm. when last was skiing like it doesn't have the same punch and so i think the way that it's being shot 
um, is it's emphasizing certain elements, but I think others are are lacking in the process. So again, emphasis on technology, but not presenting it in a way that is like wowing me. And maybe I need to see this on the big screen to be wowed by, you know, this parachute uh, in a vehicle, but it just doesn't come across with the same oomph that, that some of the other Mm -hmm. chases in the past have come Mm -hmm. through with. We saw this at the BFI last year. They won their day where they showed Majesty's Secret Service, Moonraker, and um, this mm. in that order. And this, by far and away, felt like the least cinematic experience. Mm. And maybe that was just the transfer they were using. Um, but yeah, it really showed up next to Moonraker and Majesty's, which I think are two of the most cinematic-looking films in the series. I think they're absolutely yeah. beautiful. Uh, and this does, uh, yeah, it feels a little TV, high-end TV, mm. but. Um, yeah, but maybe that's just the transfer that we are watching now. Well, the 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 balloon thing that comes out of his jacket or whatever it is, it seems a pretty contrived gadget because it's it yeah. seems like it was designed for something that can only happen in one in a million situations. Oh, and this happens to be it. Yeah, um, no, it's, yeah, it's too much. And of course, uh, he'll never get another one again, even if there's a situation well, that might compare be useful. This, compare and contrast to Tomorrow Never Dies, where Bond finds a different use for his gadgets. Right? Yes. He, he adapts them to the situation. Here it's Which like, is, uh, it does this, one of the things okay, I like I'm going to use it for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I really like that uh, about Tomorrow Never Dies uh, with the gadgets, I think. Touch your face. Ah. <laughs> 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 um, you never oh, going to be able to watch this there. What, what do we yeah. do for that? Well, for example, in Thunderball, Bond gets a watch that's really a Geiger counter, but they're looking for atomic bombs. Okay. So that's that's an actual <laughs> needed thing whereupon this, this Sorry, snow Russia. circle thing is like, when we when would you need that? Um, well, in this contrived sequence that we came up with, that's when you would need it. Um, <laughs> One of the things I hate about this scene, touch your face. There might be a few of these in the next couple minutes. There will be. Um, (laughs) I'm going to have to get an IV at this point. But um. (laughs) so uh, one of the things I hate about this scene is it's played, but you know it's a very serious kind of scene, and they're doing this this dialogue. and oh, it might be the, it might be the one where he comes back later on. But like, there's a behind the scenes shot of him kind of walking walking away, and then he just he just does this shit eating grin to camera, like yeah, right. nailed it. <laughs> it just kind of like ruins the whole. So I can't watch this this particular interaction between them without thinking of him going off screen and going yeah. <laughs> well, supposedly, the whole reason Michael Apted got hired was because he had experience um, directing dramatic films. Mm-hmm. And and so there was this often told anecdote about Barbara Broccoli calling up and him saying, you sure you got the right guy? He said, oh, yeah, you're the guy we want. Hmm. After Martin Campbell turned it down. <laughs> no, seriously. Oh, yeah, no, no, I don't doubt it. <laughs> it's just like, yes, you're the seventh on our list, uh, but we really want you. Hmm. Oh, that's not um, true. Just, like Tim, just like Timothy <laughs> in '87. Oh dear. Uh, so a lot of these, a lot of these locations are, are UK-based locations. Um, yeah. Uh, PG-13 uh, X-ray glasses. Yeah. 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 That's they used to have those in the back of ads in the back of comic books in the and 60s. bubble gum X-ray wrappers. Specs. 
Yeah. It's really weird. It shows the lady's bra on the right, but not on the left. It's a flaw. Yeah. It's, she's got lead shielding. Lack, lack of quality control at Q branch. Yeah, because it's really it's really strange because it's like yeah, like that shot where he's looking at that lady's bum. It's uh, kind of like oh, he can see, you know what's he seeing? But it's like well, no, actually, we just saw what you can see, and it's not yeah. actually that titillating. He's, he's looking at that bartender pretty closely too. Yeah, it's one of it's another rare instance of. Um, we're seeing it from Bond's actual perspective. Mm. Mm. Yeah. There's not many instances in the franchise. It's a nice little, um, you know, <laughs> let's forget the, the whole uh, boy, boys looking at, you know, through holes, keyholes at women, which is essentially what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the actual, the actual right. visual effect is pretty, pretty cool. Um, By the way, that that bit with the uh, necktie just now, Fairstein wrote that originally for Tomorrow Never Dies. Hmm. So he, he got it back in. <laughs> he worked it back in for this. Sorry. Um, yeah, no. Anything I, I, like, I, 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 was just, I was just going to say. Bond, well, Bond, um, Bond, Bond does it, a lot of shoving guns in people's faces well, in this film. Well done, yeah, a, I don't well like done it. effect, but how does it actually work? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's. <laughs> you think. Uh, they outsource it to Stark Industries. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it is a way of adding, and, and, and again, I, hmm, there's lack of consent. I mean, if you're utilizing a device that you can see through people's clothes, that's a little, I mean, to me, it feels a little gross. Uh, but yeah. I think the effect that you see on screen is cool. So it's a mixture of feelings that I have. But I think it's a way to add sex and sexuality to a film where Bond is going to be in a somewhat monogamous relationship in some ways with Electra King. And even when Christmas Jones comes in, there really isn't anything between them till the very end of the film. And we don't have a lot of bodies on display like you would have in previous films. So I think it's trying to utilize technology to insert some of that um, in a film that doesn't contain too much of it. How do I feel about it? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's not, it's, it's not one of my favorite kind of gadgets. Um, this, the wrong day to pull me, double. This is so, <laughs> like the atomic energy department has right. its own paramilitary division. Yeah, That's and just, logos and and, yeah. and and merch. Yeah, napkins. Yeah. No less. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. The uh, in, in the U.S., the FBI sells uh, merchandise with the FBI logo. Hmm. Uh, I think um, this this is a redress <laughs> set of like the casino is a redress of, of uh, Electra's Baku. Baku, yeah. Um, Robbie Coltrane's accent slips here horribly. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's a Glaswegian. <laughs> I love that he's back. I'm, I'm so glad that they brought this character back, and I like the creating some continuity, some light continuity mm-hmm. in Brosnan's films. Jack Wade came mm-hmm. back in the last one. Now we have Valentine coming back. I think it's nice. Yeah. Also, well, this yeah. guy getting escorted out for uh, being unruly, he pops up in Dine of the Day, doesn't he? I think so. Uh, I think he's one of the Korean generals. We're we're yeah. uh, we're about to come up on uh, Michael G. Wilson's cameo. It's like one of the most fleeting ones in the series. Hmm. When they get into the private gambling room, hmm. which we're yeah, not there I, I yet. Don't, I, I don't he holds a clip. He's a clipboard wielding cameo. Oh, I didn't. Just know. a sign I don't think something. I've ever 
And it's weird. Yeah. I don't really like it's, this. I promise to pay you the money. Um, <laughs> oh, there he is. The bald guy with the bald spot. That's Michael G. Wilson. Yeah, there he is. There he is. This is a really, uh, this feels, I don't know if this was an executive note or uh, what, but this whole one card high draw thing feels like a real dumbing down of yeah. gambling scenes. <laughs> right. Like compared yeah. to what we've had in previous ones, it's like, and fair we, enough. You know what? I, I don't know. Um, but, Whatever game Bond and Zenya are playing in Goldeneye, but the, the you know I I get the gist of it. This it just feels like a real. It's just like we can't scene, even play a game of. Comes um, from, this scene comes from uh, Diamonds Are Forever, though, when uh, when the whole card game is fixed in Bond's favor. I think. Ah, but here would be a really good time to use your X-ray specs. Ooh, mm. good point. Hmm. But they're only good for yeah, but, seeing. I mean, they're only see, good for seeing through clothes. Um, mean, but, but meanwhile, um, is it a little suspicious that she doesn't go double or nothing? Hmm. Double or yeah. nothing. That's a great name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that wasn't an intentional pun. But I mean, it's like, oh, we, we, I come in here and we're going to play one hand of one card, and well, mm. I'm done. Bye. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like at least play a hand don't of blackjack. <laughs> but again, it's a quick and easy way to show the woman in distress at the card table, that Bond has. I mean, it's again playing on all the cliches. And now that we know who she is, we look at it and we're like, that's kind of that's kind of ridiculous. Ooh. But they're mm. really trying, I think, to just sort of chalk this film through all of these elements. <laughs> That's such uh, an awkward is- segue, Bonds being like, oh, where's your uh, underling who uh, no one's paid attention to this whole film? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's got the night oh, off. Yeah. <laughs> cut. Oh. Uh, cut directly so, to Pinewood. Um, okay, so with Renard now, we have this idea that was originally for Tomorrow Never Dies, where the guy mm-hmm. in Tomorrow Never Dies, the henchman was supposed to like feel pleasure when he should feel pain. Yeah. And it's so in the novelization, they, but it's not in the screenplay. Right. So they adapt the idea for the for this film. And it's like, so they're in this place with all the burning rocks and stuff, and he can hold he can hold a rock and not yeah, feel the pain. But apparently not notice the fact his skin is coming yeah, off I his know. hair. That's, <laughs> that's the thing I've always hated about it. Yeah, it, it, it's one thing not to feel the pain, but uh, that doesn't mean to say your body's not going to get damaged. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's, I, I, I hate to cite Charles Darwin on a James Bond uh, uh, watch along, but that's how mankind evolved. Why you felt pain? Oh, it hurts! I better stop doing this. <laughs> no, no, good, um, to, good to quote Darwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting um, kind of conceit. You know, you could, yeah. which I don't think they developed well enough. I think you no, could it, make absolutely, a very, absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah. I agree. A very formidable. Very formidable villain. If you feel like the person you're going up against doesn't feel any pain, and also because he's already, as he keeps saying, he's already dead. You know, he he his desire to complete his mission. You know, killing him doesn't do anything in a mm. sense. So, well, it it kind of goes back be, to this. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, it goes back to the screenwriting process where Fairstein is like trying to recycle all this stuff from Tomorrow Never Dies that mm. fell out of the script. Mm. You know. I think it, I think this 
Sorry, go ahead, Cam. Oh, I was just going to say, I think uh, it's at its most effective in the film, actually, when it comes to a scene between Renard and Electra later on, where he's kind of talking about how he can't, he can't feel, you know, the pleasure. He can't, he, right. he's, he's really in love with this woman and he sort of ogles her as a goddess and yet he can't, you know, can he get mm-hmm. it up even? I don't know. And I think it, I think it's worth it just for that kind of dynamic, which I think is quite interesting. And I yeah, think, I think- I- that if you consider them to be like a villainous couple, right? Like thinking Max mm. Zorn and Mayday, the, mm-hmm. a couple from the past, her deficit is that she doesn't necessarily feel things emotionally, right? She has all the mm. physical sensations and the physical pleasure, yeah. but she is kind of like a sociopath. And so she's exactly them, like a sociopath. <laughs> and both of them have deficits, right? And when you look at yeah. them, they will never be able to truly be satisfied because on the one hand, it works lacking what the other person doesn't have, but that means collectively neither of you is truly going to be whole. Um, yeah. And it's sad to think about it in that way. Right, and the, and the payoff a- for that is at the end where um, Renard is dying and Bond says, she's waiting for you. Mm. And I, I admit, I like that scene, but mm. it takes kind of yeah. a while to get there. I think it, I think it does... Um, I think it is very kind of conceptually really well done. Um, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you know, executed that well. But I, I agree with Lisa. I think it's this kind of dichotomy between the fact that she is um, she is unable to feel emotions and and but but she can experience all the physical sensations. <laughs> um, but but yeah, they're kind of like two sides of a coin. And he is, you know, Renard's almost overly emotional. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a very cleverly kind of done. Oh, touch your uh, face again. <laughs> I, I, if it's in the same face. scene, I'm like, I'm learning it wrong. I, mean, I, I just got a, qu- a question about the whole scene. W- was that a bottle of Bollinger, or, or was it another brand? I wasn't quite clear. Mm. Um, this is a, this is a cardboard cutout, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, it's a cardboard cutout. And um, Brosnan said this is the only gadget he kept was the fake key in the credit card. <laughs> On the stairs. Uh, yeah, it was. Bold. Sorry, it was. It was. Uh, I was being was sarcastic. Bold. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you couldn't. You couldn't quite make it out over the slow pan. Um, <laughs> I, I I loved the fact that they just went into the, um, you know, the gardens at Pinewood, and they just had that kind of cut out. It, it's very yeah. convincing. It sells it very very well. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but I, I think you know the mystery of like you know when you've got a Bond film and you just you're in a porter cabin, it's right. you know th- this isn't exactly kind of Ken Adam territory, is it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> By the way, coming up uh, in the Dana Stevens draft, the draft I got to read before the movie came out, Bond kills this guy pretty much in cold blood. It's like he opens the mm-hmm. trunk or boot, and Whoa. Bond plugs it. And whereupon, as it's depicted in the film, it's kind of a chance. It's uh, it's mm. not quite so cold blooded, but uh, well, it's defense, isn't it? Because Davidoff reaches for his weapon. Yeah, um, but but whereupon, way Dana Stevens wrote it, he just you know Bond plugs him and doesn't yeah. even give him a chance to go for his weapon. Which I kind of like. Um, I, I, I like Bond being a bit cold-blooded sometimes. You know, I think it's, we, we've got to remember that, you know, that's part of who he is. That's his job. His, his job. I, 
I think yeah. it's interesting for Davidov because I think if this was released now, we'd have, you know, immediately before Bond kills him in cold blood, we'd have seen him kicking a dog or doing something right. particularly uh, <laughs> unpleasant. But really, he's not been the worst of villains. Uh, no. no, he's just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Kicked him yeah. in the face. It seems like um, a kind of ineffectual guy. Like Bond could probably have knocked him out and thrown him in a dumpster and had the same right. effect. But I, he I mean, could, I like he, that he kills him, but he, yeah. he could have fed him to the dogs. You know, it's like, yeah. well, maybe he fights his way out. Maybe he doesn't. But uh, uh, particularly, is this, this actor, by the, the way, was move. in? Uh, I think. He was in a, a film the previous year called Festin, which uh, is, was quite a, a, what is it, Dogma 95 film or something. But he was the lead in that and won quite a few international yeah. acting awards for it. So it's quite, yeah, uh, interesting that he came in for such a such a nothing part, I suppose. I'm sure he got a nice payday out of it. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. They may still have been paying this. Um, maybe scale. not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like it's only been in the last decade or so they've paid supporting characters big money. It's uh... this uh, this got a lot of laughs in the cinema. Yeah. If I remember uh, the grease, the grease. <laughs> yeah, um, I still think it's quite a funny uh, gag. It's nice. I like Bond just kind of rolling with things here. He's like, yeah. I don't really know what's going on, but I'm just gonna play it <laughs> out. Fake it. Yeah. Yeah, Calvin, I, it's just one of the things I like most about Bond. It goes back to my sort of, theory. Bond, yeah. you know, grabs his pistol, says, oh, I'm going to take my gun and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%, Bill. I think it's kind of like there are, like, it's like in uh, You Only Live Twice when he's getting into the space rocket and you're like, what's yeah. your plan? What are you doing? Thought you're going to go into space now. Um, I, mean, I, I need to copyright that phrase. The more I think about it, I've got to take my gun and see what happens. Parentheses, TM, parentheses. Well, they, um, they, they reference it a lot in, in the, uh, the show Archer where, yeah. you know, he, he fails to read all of the mission documents. Yeah, he just and, you know, in. He just blunders in and, and they always say to him, you know, like, aren't you worried that, you know, you're going to die? And he goes, oh, it usually just works out. And, you know, it's... <laughs> it's oh, I can't... Never mind. I, well, I was going to I was going to cite a US TV show that does not get the horn, but it was like they did a parody of the Perfect Private Eye. No, Jim, you always get a clue when you need one, and it's like it's so funny. Anyway, never here's mind. the uh, coronavirus response suit. Well, we've, <laughs> we've, get the horn, we've, we've arrived word. in Kazakhstan, so I just want to say my neighbour was brought up in Kazakhstan, so I, I think I'll ask her if this looks like Kazakhstan or not. Ah, it looks a lot like cool. Spain to me. Yeah. <laughs> it does a bit. <laughs> very, very. Over that mountain, <laughs> that's where they filmed the "You Only Live Twice" helicopter fight. I yeah. think. Huh? No, I'm, um, that's a joke. That's a oh, joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they filmed most of that in Spain after yeah, yeah. the accident. But yeah. Hmm. All right. Oh, we're coming up to Christmas Jones. Introduction. So I'm going to get my copy of the Purvis and Wade script out. So I'm going to throw oh, this. Yes. The, the, the fun fact that everybody probably already knows, which is the nationalities of the Bond girls were reversed during casting because Electric King was originally going to be American and they were looking at MGM wanted Sharon Stone for it, but it was considered to be too signposted that she'd be the yeah. villain. Mm. So, and they flipped it. So when, when, when Electra was going to be American, so was obviously King. And mm. they were looking at Billy Bob Thornton to play Electra's dad. And wait for it, meatloaf. <laughs> meatloaf. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, any, anyway, here, is, here are the stage directions for the, from the Purvis and Wade script. Suddenly, the door of one of the buildings opens and out steps a figure in a white protective suit. That's all caps. Moving fast, <laughs> off comes the helmet to reveal, parenthesis, you know, all caps, beautiful French Polynesian girl. Christmas hmm. Jones is mid-twenties, shortish hair, hot right now. In one movement, she unzips and steps out of, uh, out of the suit, revealing a cocky sports bra, similar shorts, heavy-duty <laughs> <laughs> heavy boots, deep tan, incredible figure, totally unselfconscious. Hmm. I won't go on, but that's... that's uh, oh, and she speaks in a French accent. Yeah. So apparently it should... As as they envision it would be, it's safe now. You can move it. Bill, <laughs> <laughs> that Bill, that is so sexy. To be said here about how women are written in film. I mean, that yeah. does strike me as being non-typical. And I think we saw a little bit of a while back people starting to leak different scripts or different calls for women to play roles. And a lot of them mm -hmm. are like that, that focusing on young women in their 20s, emphasis is on beauty, image, physique, and then anything else. Like, And she's a physicist, just seems to come like way later. And it yeah. this notion that women are valued first for their beauty and their accomplishments come second if they come second, if not third or fourth. And yeah. so it reminds me, uh, Lisa, it reminds me of the uh, Joss Whedon uh, script for Wonder Woman, um, where basically it was a set, you know, rather than being, uh, you know, this, this very accomplished woman, it's like, she's sort of sexy, but she doesn't realize it. And uh -huh. um, it, if you look it up online, uh, it got a lot of, uh, <laughs> it got a lot of negative uh, flack for, for the way in which, you know, they also, you know, if you're in your mid-20s, do you have enough time to be a physicist? Because, um, like, okay, you graduate, you know, you're maybe, usually maybe, an undergrad at, like, 22. Yeah. So that gives well, maybe you was a, an, an entry level, at 14. It's, so. it's yeah, well, that's job. the thing. They, you know, um, <laughs> and, like, with Iron Man, like, Tony Stark, like, graduated college when he was 16 or whatever it was. He was, like, unusually young. But that's how they get around that. But, yeah. Uh, Anyway, yeah, sorry. she was also going to be an insurance investigator, but they Brosnan had done <laughs> Thomas Thomas Crown, so they didn't want another yeah. insurance investigator. Yeah. Uh, just hands up here. I studied physics for quite a bit, oh. and uh, it, it was a very male uh, oriented yes. uh, subject. Hmm. Is changing you, though, thankfully. And, can and you, could you uh, be David, classified you as a physicist in three years? Um, probably not. <laughs> okay. Dave, sorry, Ben. David, go ahead. Did you did you unconsciously step out of your uh, one piece radiation <laughs> suit? Were you uh, were you sexy but without realizing it? <laughs> were you wearing a cocky bra? Well, I, I don't know. Oh, Maybe yeah. I am sexy without realizing it, Ben. <laughs> uh, uh, I wouldn't know. Yeah, mm. I, I I find your Should accent we... alluring in a way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think Brosnan does some good acting here. I think he's uh, perhaps underserviced by some of the editing, particularly right. like how he's going to react to Renard using Electra's catchphrase in a moment. The shot just yeah. lingers too long and he has that huh? Huh? moment. Like, yeah. oh, that's an important plot point that we want and, the audience to realize. And Bond is 
you know, Brosnan is prepared to kill the guy in cold blood right now. And that is a serious moment. But mm. Mm. Oh, I love that Christmas is like, Dr. Arkov is 63 years old. And it's like, well, he might just look after himself. Like, <laughs> Brosnan looks pretty good at 63, looked pretty good and, at 63. And he could have kind of a nuclear physicist or in the mid 20s. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I actually, oh, uh, I was in a physics class with a, somebody who uh, became a Premier League footballer, but I, I'm not going to name them or anything like that. I'll, I'll tell you privately afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while all this is going on, can I just repent a little bit about Denise Richards? Because I feel like I, I was on a very sort of like, you know, the typical, oh, isn't it ridiculous that she's cast in this part sort of bandwagon for a long time. Um, I certainly wasn't when I first saw this film. This film came out when I was 10 years old and um, she was a favorite uh, amongst me and my friends. Um, And recently I've really sort of come around on her. I think she's actually massively uh, undersold actually in this part. And I think it speaks to more of a snobbishness actually about Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the Mm -hmm. Bond fans that I think it, because I think it comes down to kind of like what she's known for the reality sort of stuff, Charlie Sheen, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think does her a disservice, but you know, God in the sixties, they would cast women who were, you know, one miss world and could barely speak English. Like I think to get snobby about her because of her sort of accomplishments prior to this are a bit, misguided when you compare it to some of the previous some of her predecessors actually in the female co-star role well calvin actually we we talked about this somewhat on an episode last year and james has the details and yeah Yeah. and apparently denise richards in real life felt very isolated and did not feel a lot of support and i even made the comment like if you're michael apted and one of your lead actors is feeling that bad and it's kind of up to you to like boost your spirits. And And he said um, to her during the press tour afterwards, we really hung you out to dry on this one, didn't we? Oh God. Thanks Michael. He he doesn't strike me as having seen a lot of his interviews and he, he strikes me as a, he doesn't strike me as someone who would create good morale on set. Like if I were a casting director looking to cast like someone who's in the role of undertaker, he he has that kind of voice and (laughs) face that I would be like, Oh yeah, he'd be perfect. Uh, (laughs) Sort of uh, telling people that they're, Relatives are about to be buried. (laughs) And I think there's something to be said here about the script itself. So whatever acting abilities or or lack thereof Denise Richards may or may not have and the lack of direction that she may or may not have been given, she doesn't really have much to work with in this script. Her character is not fleshed out. I feel as though they put so much emphasis on Electra King and fleshing out her character it's as if they had nothing left. And I think that that's a problem in cinematic writing. Like you can have more than one multifaceted woman in a oh. film and, and and that can still be true and okay. And I feel like this, you know, she sort of falls flat for the same reason why Christoph Waltz as Blofeld falls flat. Like there's nothing for them to work with um, oh. in, in their scripts. And, and I feel as though when I watch her in this film, I'm like, there's so many moments where I'm like, she doesn't even need to be there or what is her role or her purpose? And I think maybe comparing her to people of the 60s shows, like I guess I expect 
having seen maybe Wei Lin in, in, in the previous film, you know, that, that, that a woman who is going to be partnered with Bond does stuff and has a central role. And I think maybe that's the reason why I gravitate towards Michelle Yeoh's character in that way, where I'm like, he needs her. He can't really do it without her. And there's so many moments here where I'm like, she's literally along for the ride, or I don't really know why she's here. And oh, that's I, 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 I don't know about that. Sorry to interrupt, but she does like, pr- pr- I mean, we're seeing her do a, a very necessary right. service here to get him out of there. And she diffuses the bomb later on. I think she she does provide quite a, a, a an important part, actually, um, in this film. But I, I, I agree with you that those moments are not highlighted enough to have any kind well, of lasting effect. And I was just going to say, in that podcast episode last year, when James... Defending forget, Indefensible. Yeah. When you were like reading, was it her autobiography or something mm-hmm. i forget yeah, I, I do deep research for these things yeah. <laughs> um, i when you read that you read excerpts of that that was the first i had heard of this and it's yeah. like again to my thinking is if you're a director and like one of your lead actors is feeling isolated feeling bad unless you're playing mind games with that actor which happens um yeah. you need to support that uh actor man or woman as much as you can because you're dependent on their performance in mm. the final product it Exploding wasn't just shit. that it was also after the filming wrapped and the way they did the publicity and the marketing campaign yeah. as well it was the whole shebang mm. so yeah, I, I actually I, I, reading it i actually felt really bad for her and, mm. um, oh no, I feel really bad for her. I feel bad that she's often like, when people think of this film, she's often like one of the, the first things that people point to is like, oh God, she's terrible. In it. She's a better actress than a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. women in the 60s were. Um, definitely. Uh, some wooden performance. Oh, this is one of my favorite Bond, James Bond uh, yep. moments. But just to, uh, ju- just to reinforce Calvin's point, in the 60s, one of the prime uh, qualifications, oh, you want to be beauty pageant fine you're yeah. hired well, yeah probably had other thresholds but we well <laughs> well again guy hamilton called broccoli a quote tit and bum man i wasn't oh gonna go there though but there we go well, but that's in, that's in that book that's in that goldfinger book um yes. from 1998 that i quote every so often and and it's funny because of course hamilton was interviewed long after his associate with the yeah, association with the Bond series. So Safe, felt a little the safeties more were off in that interview. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, because again, Julie Christie got turned down for a role in Bond because her breasts were too small. Now, that's a fact. And yeah. uh, one of the best actresses, British actresses of the 20th century, got, you know, couldn't make a Bond film because of her breast size. Hmm. Yeah. Jesus. <sighs> Anyway, Sorry, that's I, don't, I don't mean of, to come um, across as lecturing here, but it's, no, no, to 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 a slightly different subject. That explosion that they just did to blow up that's another example of the Bond series of spending a lot of money and a lot of time for like a shot that means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Still better than the explosion inspector. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to mention it. <laughs> we haven't talked about this, but we just saw a, sh- a couple shots ago. The uh, portrait of Bernard Lee or Bernard yeah. Lee uh, here at the Scottish MI6 headquarters, and once this movie came out, the idea that the M Bernard Lee M and the Robert Brown M are two separate people kind of took more hold. Yeah. It was there yeah. before, but having that portrait there kind yeah. of reinforced it. But it's like, it's, it's not definitive by any means. Okay, I just point out that this is 1999 and Electra was using vertical video. 
look at the pictures yeah. in the uh, Bond series ahead on, of the time. Yeah, what, 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 what about a new Bond theory? What about a new M theory, though? That it, um, Judy Dench's M is the same M. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. In fact, Judy Dench M is two M's. Yeah. This, like, yeah. You all about his shoulder. The <laughs> M of two worlds. This is all very soapy, isn't it? This is. Yeah. Uh, I get, is this no what you drama. get when you get Michael Apted to do your uh, dramatic acting? It's just. Uh, it's, yeah, this it, scene. This good. scene falls flat for me. I mean, it, mm. it it should work better than it does, and it. But yeah, like Brosnan's overplaying his little his little gestures and. Mm. Um, I don't know. But he I mean, doesn't. He doesn't elicit any information from her. He just throws it in her face. I mean, it's not yeah. very uh, investigative, mm. is it? Mm. Well, yeah, because he's is, saying it like he's certain of it, and it's yeah. like, well, if you're so bloody mm. certain of it, why aren't you arresting her <laughs> or like doing yeah. something uh, instead of just these theatrics? And like when he clicks his finger, something snaps in the victim's mind. It's just no. I think I think <laughs> Sophie Marceau. <laughs> Have you actually seen a bomb film before? <laughs> it's, uh, I think she plays it well. I think Sophie Marceau yeah. plays it well, oh, but I think she's he, she's a far better actor. I mean, I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't mean to be mean to to, to Pierce, but he's he's been you know you, you, it's very days of days of our lives kind of acting from oh from yeah. Pierce. Well, the, um, the, the, <laughs> the the dialogue as well. I mean, she she can take a line like "He disgusts me, you disgust mm. me," and and play it quite sincerely. Whereas right. I don't think he can. He has that skill. Yeah, I don't think so too. I mean, he's doing a lot of smell the fart kind of acting. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think a lot of the dialogue in this is quite flowery. We're going to come up to a line that Judy Dench has soon where it's something like, uh, kill her own father and attack her own pipeline. Why? To what end? And it's like, right. no one would say like, that in real life. No, it's such a hammy line. And yet she no, does the line would be, what the fuck you thinking would be the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just a lot of flowery yeah, sort of stuff in this and Brosnan can't. Keep it's just up. the, uh, yeah, I, I, the end I of the hand set phones as well. This movie, uh, you do get. This is probably the, the first film since uh, I'm, I'm going to say from Russia with Love, where Bond really does sort of seem to be out of his depth, mm. right? Um, you know, uh, where 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 a where a scheme, where a villain scheme is happening, and he's not. Yeah ahead of the curve. Um, so establishing shot of Judy Dench landing in a helicopter, there was a cut scene between this scene and the one we just saw where Bond and M are chatting outside doing a walk and talk with all the body bags and they decided to cut it. We've got mm. pictures of it. But that was in, was it Milton Keynes or Slough, this motor rail factory? It's Slough, yeah. Mo- mo- slough. Um, <laughs> yeah. Come, and they, come they picked the building because and... it looked like it had a pipe on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, th- then we get into this weird action sequence with the with the pig, um, the um, you know the little uh, I think that's what they call them, isn't it? Pigs. Yeah, yeah it's the second time in the franchise. I remember in uh, uh, Koskoff in the the Living Daylights yeah. was in a pig. That's right. So um, yeah, it's um, I, I I think when you're just looking at a little kind of thing going across a, a TV screen, you know, to create kind of dramatic tension. So, you know, it's not, 
I don't know. And then you get like pictures of sweeping, like panning shots of pipelines, and we're supposed to kind of get mm. the, the sense that they're moving through it. Um, I love this guy. I don't understand. Um, I saw an interview uh, with him. I yeah. think he was on because he's a comedian. And um, yeah. I think he was on Have I Got News For You or something. And he said, like, he did, he just shot this Bond movie where Bond does, like, incredible maths in his head. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, he does. He calculates all... the speed instantly. It's like yeah, uh, math, I, I, I... mental arithmetic was not a character strength of Bond. It's like I can uh, remember. the multiplication tables backwards to, uh, defect, to uh, defeat King Tut. <laughs> Never mind. That's exactly what I was thinking, Phil. That's 56.54 miles an hour. Yeah, when they get into, you know, so when he does those kind of multiple choice, do you think he did really well in school when they were like, if a, if a train... <laughs> did he do well in school? <laughs> but according to Fleming, he only liked a box. I'm not sure. Yeah. You've got eight apples. And... <laughs> And fifteen Yeah. <laughs> By the um, way, at some point coming up, there's going to be a great foreground miniature, which I didn't realize what it was until yeah. after I saw the movie and I saw a making of thing that showed out they Wales did again. something. It's the Dino of the Day reference. Hmm. Oh, we got it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, foreground miniature on the pipes. Clever, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, which one? Which is? It, have we seen it? Is it? Uh, it's, the we, it's the established I, I, shot of the pipeline. Right. I, and most of seen this it, and later there's CG, an explosion, CGI. and that's a foreground yeah. entry as well. Yeah, most of this was CGI pipe. Uh, one of the things that really bugs me uh, is when the, the pipe explodes, um, we're getting a sense of momentum and travel. Um, yeah. They get out of the wrong end of the pipe. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it just really, one of those storytelling things they got it wrong around. And and also yeah. oil pipelines don't have internal LED lighting. I just throw that up there. You see <laughs> no. they have these down lighters. No. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, you spoiled you, re- you realistic people. Come on. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief just being shattered by James there. Um, Next thing you're gonna tell me an Iron Man armor isn't possible. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> This uh, David Arnold track, by the way, is one of my absolute favorites. I recommend it for if you have a, a, a time-constrained con- uh, task to do, putting this on in the background really does sort of yes. motivate you faster. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I, I know David Arnold said, like, when he did Tomorrow Never Dies, he, like, gave everything he had, and he, like, because he couldn't assume he'd come back, and then, yeah. like, toward the end of it, like, Michael G. Wilson said, like, uh, what are you doing two years from now? And, hmm. um... You know what? I know some people don't like David Arnold. I think he's fine. I think he's great, actually, and uh, I think this is one of his better ones of the yeah. of his yeah. Bond scores. But, yeah. David Arnold. Yeah. For real, I think that he's just been like a godsend to the Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Yeah. 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 In, in fact, a lot I'll of people, even... Lisa, don't don't like him. A lot of people don't like him. Um, but, you know, wow. I'll, t- I'll take Lisa's comment a step further. I don't think he's been treated very well post no. Quantum yeah, of Solace. I, I, but, I think uh, that's true too, yeah. yeah. Mm. No, he, he, he's yeah. Done, he's done some great work. And uh, for me, Casino Royale and, and Quantum of Solace especially, it was uh, amazing work. Well, for the most part, I think David Arnold threads the needle between uh, – 
evoking John Barry while still doing original updated stuff. And yeah. that's a, and that sounds easy, but it's not easy. And, um, and I understand why people get yeah. upset about why, why don't they bring him back? But that the, gets into directors and all that stuff. So we'll. Could, could we fairly uh, say the, the only composer uh, in the, in 20, 30 years that actually celebrated using the Bond theme? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And I think, you What's know, a- for, for Goldeneye, for me, what miss, what's missing from Goldeneye is, is an Arnold. A Bond score. It's <laughs> <laughs> the reason why when I, when I turn on Tomorrow Never Dies, I always sort of have a refreshing, like, ah, this is what a Bond film is supposed to look like and feel like. And I really love that he gives that sort of essence and that continuity um, so I, I mean, I'll, I'll fight anybody. I think, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I think it must be one of the reasons that I, I don't rate uh, Goldeneye at all. I just uh, find it kind of, kind of just very flat and uh, yeah. uh, mu- yeah. music, music for me is, is very, very important. And uh, uh, you know, if I watch a film and especially some, TV shows they don't really have much music and uh, I really miss it uh, uh, I, ju- I just think that there's something that should be there that, that, that's not so uh, I think probably if Goldeneye had some decent music probably I would see it in a, a different light well mm. just real quick um, I grew up because I'm old um, at a time guys like Lalo Schifrin and Jerry Goldsmith were doing TV scores and it's like with like many fewer pieces, you know, many fewer musicians than they would get with a movie and their s- scores still sound great. And, um, yeah, music is very important. And, uh, anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I think, uh, Judy Dench is acting the shit out of that scene. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. So they're getting out the wrong stuff. Yeah. Either they crossed That's the line, true. which is a, uh, an egregious, uh, thing to do in filmmaking or or they Here we are. somehow magically come out the the other end of the platform. The, 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 ca- the camera crew moved to the other side to get yeah. a different angle. <laughs> yeah, crossing the line and well, the, yeah. the actual the line, explosion was a foreground miniature. Um that was a couple of minutes ago, but uh, uh, Bill, perhaps you can answer this. Christmas has a line coming up where she uh she alludes to some having some ulterior motive um being here. He says, What are you doing here? And she says something like, I'm avoiding mm-hmm. those kinds of questions. Was that in a previous draft? Did she end up being an, an agent or, or something like that? No, no, nothing like that. Um I, I, I took the, it as this- she's a female nuclear physicist. In a male dominated <laughs> profession. In a male dominated <laughs> profession. Yeah. 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 Probably. I, you know, I have the script from me, but I'd have to flip through a lot of pages and not really conducive for that. But uh, (laughs) no, I don't, she's not an agent, nothing like that. Hmm. I found out this week that my girlfriend I had in high school is now a a physicist. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll Hmm. tell you that story after recording. (laughs) And she she did that in three years. Well, I haven't spoken to her for 20 years until this week, and then we were catching up this week. <laughs> she also plays the and uh, is a in the RAF. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not joking. Wow. What? Yeah. yeah. 
genuine does she so. make Iron Man armor? Um, <laughs> Why are we talking about this film? Sorry. We should be talking Sorry. about that. Like, <laughs> right, we'll, we'll catch it then. <laughs> I've come up with a new power source, James. You might be interested in it. Mm. I did like Christmas Jones's I don't speak spy kind of line. I thought that was quite clever. Uh, Another reference to Istanbul, because you had one in um, uh, License to Kill, because Bond was supposed to go to Istanbul. Um, So the filmmakers like Istanbul, at least to mention it, because, of course, Skyfall as well. Well, Hmm. Istanbul traditionally has a long history of um, espionage connections. So I I think probably that is part of the attraction. But uh, um, the the whole M being kidnapped thing, uh, it's curious that in Spectre they they credited Colonel Sun for for the torture. Uh, sequence, mm. but they never they they didn't they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, do the same uh, in this film uh, because um, the whole you know M kidnap thing was was from Colonel Sun. It, it was it was Kingsley yeah. Amis. Mm. I want because my factory. Lawyers, I want my factory entertainment uranium. I was about, I was about <laughs> to say their lawyers told them they could get away with not mentioning that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they were being nice I'm in so- Inspector. I'm sorry, we we mentioned this briefly and I'll just say it real quick. I mean, there have been a number of Bond films where they've like taken elements of the continu- continuation novels, but it's like locations, things that you don't, you can get away with, like, because you, lo- you can't copyright a location, you can't copyright this or that. But um, anyway, that's... That's my story. I'll stick with it. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the only thing in Spectre is that, that they actually uh, based the dialogue uh, from uh, they right. adapted the dialogue exactly. from the book. Yeah, and uh, w- which I they guess went a step too far. They has stepped too far. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the step too far was Control C, Control V. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, which I wonder if in real life, and I don't know this, maybe Kingsley Amos's estate said. Uh, yeah, dear, dear Dan Jack, we have some issues with this. So um, I know we're going wildly off tangent because that's our MO, but um, <laughs> Sam Mendes did a podca- podcast recently with Roger Deakins mm-hmm. and about 45 minutes into it, they talk about Spect- uh, Skyfall quickly. And he said he had an idea for the third act of Spectre, which got rejected and they had to scramble to put one together. I heard and that. It I listened not- to that. Yeah, and I wonder, he didn't but he doesn't specify what the idea was. Nope, no, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> but, but did uh, in in Skyfall, yeah, Spectre. In, in Spectre, Spectre. Uh. he was basically saying in Skyfall he felt like he had a complete story, complete script, and it it basically went to plans. And he said Spectre, they started shooting without a third act. He had an idea, and they didn't go with it. In fact, I think he says his idea for the third act was something that was consistent with the way Skyfall yes. ended. Yes. Um, yeah, and they threw it out. So which, they didn't what, with which it. probably was something like Bond is walking with his walker and he falls down. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. Sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, we yeah. discover M is like rather adept with gadgets. Hmm. I mean, it's nice that, I mean, she is um, uh, being in prison, but she does something while while being there, something to facilitate, you know, 
locating her, which I think is important. Um, She's proactive. She's proactive about it. Ooh, what am I going to do with this? And I'm going to go like straight up MacGyver style and try to figure it out. Like I like to see, again, they give her something to do rather than just sit there and be rescued by Bond. She has not given up on the situation. Meanwhile, uh, Renard, is Renard impotent? Uh, Yeah, I think it's alluded to here. Yeah. His body language suggests that, but it's not stated. Mm. So I'm going to like, Make my fist bloody, even yeah. though I can't, can't, can't spell Renard without ED. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my whip my head back laughing, and I think oh. I bumped it. That's, um, that's, was that uh, Bollingham? That's, Bollingham, uh, Bollingham was that? Was oh, that? what a waste yeah. of champagne. I just, I, that's that's one of my favorite gags ever, James. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's interesting also the, the kind of the, the phallic nature of the uh, control rod or the plutonium rod yes. that they, they use later on. I think it mm. kind of ties into his, uh, you know, that, that, I mean, it's just a fight between trying to stick this rod Listen, in a hole. If you're in love with somebody and you know they have like a disability, don't rub it in their fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't feel this, watch me like put this ice cube across but, my body. But she's evil, remember? <laughs> I quite like right. that scene. I think it's you know it's a lot of the stuff that we talked about earlier on. Like she has the physicality, he doesn't, but he's far more emotionally sort of well, sound than she is. And and she is establishing dominance over him. Mm. This is one of the all ages attractions at the, at the James Bond theme park where you fish <laughs> for the clock. <laughs> I am surprised when I come. A- Oh, sorry, Ben. No, this guy was just a stupid thing I was just going to say. Uh, sorry, uh, I was just going to say that I am st- always a bit stunned when I come across people who sort of cite Renard as being the main villain of this no. film, and it's like, no, it's totally Electra. He's manipulated. Just, hmm. Yes, just I mean, to, well, just, just, it's a fake. Just Renard a- is a fake out. He is mm-hmm. built up as cool. that, but he's not really, and yeah. like an hour into it, yes, that's obvious, but... Mm. Just a word to this set. Um, which was built um, at the pine on the back lot, uh, yeah. on the back lot over the uh, over the pool. Which is, I think, when we last when we were doing um, Skyfall, I talked about a couple of the, the different things, different films that they've used mm-hmm. that particular thing for. So the the bit where he approaches uh, the the floating casino is also the same location as this uh, yeah. as the caviar mm-hmm. factory. But also within this same film, whenever you see the boats uh, arrive at the uh, the little island, um, it's it's all it's all shot on that uh, same yeah. same set as well, um, hmm. with a blue screen behind it. Um, so they're not the principals weren't actually there on that. Um, no, it was too dangerous to go there at the time, yeah. wasn't it? So. Can I just raise a point back about sex and sexuality uh, just before we start moving like beyond that? I think it's really interesting because sex in a Bond film is defined as being very phallic in nature. And it's and it is largely not always pleasure based based on sort of the man and, and, and so on. I think that with the two of them, knowing that Renard can't feel physical sensations, I think it's, it's interesting that the two of them have never had, you know, this 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 sort of encounter before this moment. Um I always find it like a little bit troublesome, like the two of you never got together before this moment. And there is a way, again, 
of trying to satisfy your partner, even if you yourself cannot feel physical sensation. And so I think it's interesting that it's shown as being like a problem and a manipulation. And I think one of the issues I have is that female villains are hypersexualized. And for some reason, their sexuality and their sexual gratification, like Xenia Onatop, is a bad and villainous thing. Whereas, just to sort of throw it out there, women do yeah. have needs and urges and can be pleasured in and, 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 and many different ways, utilizing various different body parts. Um, and, and I don't think that that's something that should necessarily be vilified um, mm. in a general sense. I don't like it when, when, when women's sexuality is seen as a negative thing, whereas it's okay that Bond can sleep with multiple women and that's a good thing. So I just wanted to throw that in. Uh, sorry mm. to back. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I think that's a good point. for a lot of Bond fans. Uh, some <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> many in fact can I just but, uh, give a shout out to the filing cabinet that sits there during all this chaos I think somebody mentions it in one of the commentaries like it's it was accidental so, that right. it just survives it all I can say real quick this whole sawing thing was originally supposed to be in GoldenEye yeah. because at the 1994 James Bond convention in LA you know, the last thing was this video here's Here's what you can expect. And they showed, you know, a video of the, how this worked. And it's like, was in the movie. They saved it for mm-hmm. the world's not enough, but, uh, which goes to show about how with bond films, nothing ever doesn't get used. It goes into a treasure chest and like the writers, like, oh, what can we do? Well, let's see what's <laughs> in the treasure chest. Oh, here's this thing. Let's work this in the script. In terms yeah. of audience fake outs, I think this is one of the better ones where you, oh, we're going to get a car chase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really love this. <laughs> but it, at least like he might not use the car much, but unlike the Z3 and GoldenEye, at least it gets a Some small use. moment shine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, because in GoldenEye, it's like, it's hardly in there. It's, yeah. He, like he shot down a helicopter. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, here at least they that. set up the gadgets and then they pay right. them off on like GoldenEye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The reverse gear on the car, the car's got reverse, so we got to see it go backwards a yeah. little bit. So that's quite exciting. <laughs> and, and, and Bond gets a good line. Oh, Q's going to be mad or whatever he says. Q's but, not going to like this. The only thing I hate about the sequence is the cutting to the, shot, the, the cover shots with a double for Brosnan. The, 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 yeah. he's, he's in completely the wrong positions in every shot. Mm-hmm. But this whole, this whole sequence has issues with geography. I mean, it's just <laughs> like you've got no idea of where he's going, who's doing Mm. Chasing him to where? Yeah. At least that saw. Yeah. At least the saw missed the petrol tank on the car, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, yeah. you know, it's like that would have complicated things. I Just to the point about that, geography but, as well, I, I completely yeah. agree. I think this is kind of uh, as much as I do enjoy the sequence, and I think a large part of that is down to a lot of explosions and David Arnold's score, and I like the mm-hmm. characters that are involved in this situation. But you do just have people shooting guns for the sake of people shooting mm. guns, and you completely it's it, it just doesn't work together. It's um, yeah, it's a bit of a mess. I still yeah. like it. Basically, Vic like, Armstrong took like over. It His big problems are helicopters. You know, that's what he's got to get rid of. But as we're chatting, I have this image in my head of like Vic Armstrong says, Michael Apted, uh, move to the side. I'll take over from here. Oh, yes. Like, he does all this. Like, okay, Michael, uh, hope that meets with your approval and I'll go on and plan the next action sequence. Uh, There's another thing Sam Mendes said in that podcast was he he really hated working with the second unit. Yeah. Yeah. 
He, yes. Yeah, because he, yeah, he called out Alexander uh, Witt, yeah, didn't he? Says, he? As good a job as he did, it wasn't what I wanted. Kind yeah. Of. It was like, yeah. oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sam Mendes, you didn't do as good a job as we wanted either. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. And his comment about, like, they spent two weeks filming the, the train sequence in Spectre and he said nobody liked it or something. I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh. Self yeah. self awareness, self awareness. Mm. Uh, yeah, this whole this uh, there's a kind of maze like quality to the geography of this whole set and sequence that just makes the whole environment feels feels like it's huge, but also kind of directionless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm asking which, because I don't know. Does Brosson reload his gun? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know if we see it. Uh, you, sorry, it's a, it's a P99, so that means there's 99 bullets, right? Yeah, thousand, <laughs> over a, over a well, thousand bullets. Uh, God, some somebody like I know quite a bit. Well, also, starting with but, starting like, with I, tomorrow I to never get, dies. Go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, I got I got called out recently for uh, my uh, my my gun bluff. My, my 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 mistakes um and i'm you know i'm reasonable with firearms and i know quite a fair bit about them but uh somebody was going that's not a ppk that they pull on him in golden eye and i'm so okay fine you know <laughs> so i apologize for all of the times that i've misidentified or uh, you know got the got the, the things wrong with uh, with firearms in in these uh, I, I, I feel you here, Ben. It's like the last thing I care about. I really don't. <laughs> I know that some I know that some people are firearms experts and get quite into that sort of thing. I'm just like if it's a it's either a small thing with a few bullets or a big thing with more bullets and faster. Yeah, I know. I I, I, know. I, I, I I know. I know. Ben saw saw some of it. I, I I published a load of stuff about guns recently, and um, God, you, you get some shit from. Uh, people uh, it's it's a, a toss-up between the firearms people and the watch people <laughs> who is the more obsessive i was just going to say uh at some point somebody decided bond needed a bigger gun so yeah. in the middle of tomorrow never dies he switches from the ppk to the p99 yeah yeah i'm yeah. not sure but yeah, yeah. so well, suddenly, whichever, like, whichever way we're pronouncing it bill will be wrong exactly and so but but anyway they decided bond needed a bigger gun and so that's what they did Mm. i I think i think the issue with that um and we'll get to that commentary when it comes but i always felt like um it should be q that equips bond with his firearms not oh i noticed that you have one of these (laughs) knocking around in your shed I would like this. Thank you. I would prefer this, this, this to the thing that I've been given by my official armorer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, into, yeah. well yeah. Into, into Tomorrow Never Dies, he's with Wei Lin, and it's like, oh, the new Walther. And he starts checking out. Oh, I'll go I'll, I'll go with this, other than I'll the gun me, I've used I've for like the last actually, however many movies. Hmm. I'll take an untested, dead. unproven weapon that I have no familiarity with on this critical mission. <laughs> But but not but not only that, James. He sort of says, "Oh, I've been after. I've been asking Q to get me one of these, or something like that." Yeah, it's well, like you know, time. I'm yeah, pretty sure that do. if you if if a double O agent said to, "Oh, here we go, nice model shot again." Um, yeah. If a double O agent turned around to their armor and said, "Hey, 
do you think I can get this this gun? And you're like, no, I'll, I'll put it on. Like I'm ordering it from it's Amazon. Back ordered. It should, yeah, it will come in. It will come in five weeks. Um, well, and behind the scenes, Q Q is saying every double O but double O seven, just to piss him off. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. the rumours that these are past Bond girls pinned up on the wall. No, they're not. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise that was a thing. Oh. Yeah, on the internet at the time. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, I think, uh, just a quick word about Goldie. I think he was kind of underwritten and underutilised in this. Um, you know, he's kind of somebody who could have been a really good good Bond henchman. I think he just kind of becomes a kind of a comic relief character yeah. and it's a shame really which is odd because you've to. got you've got you've got zukovsky as the comic relief character yeah you know yeah i, yeah, I, I, I don't know why really... they do that yeah I, I don't know why they do that i i, I agree completely they can't he help looks, themselves yes um, yeah he looks he looks he looks properly you know like genuinely menacing and right. you know they really they really could have done something with that character rather than just kind of uh, okay. you know throwaway kind of stuff Coming up for this sequence with the submarine, um, I want to say I'm trying to decide how I want to say this. So, a late friend of mine who had access to the scripts told me about how, when he had the chance to read it, Bond is actually handling plutonium with his bare right. hands, which would mean that like Bond would be dead in two yeah. weeks, one week, mm. <laughs> not long. And so this, you know, it was a light friend of mine. He had Bruce Fairstein's contact information and he <laughs> got in contact with Bruce Fairstein and said, you have to change this because if Bond is handling raw plutonium, he's going to die. <laughs> and, and like Fairstein supposedly replied, well, I'm not sure. Like you, Bruce, you have to change this. You must yeah. change this, whatever you do. Hence, and, the line, hence, hence the line in the film, it's safe. <laughs> and maybe he so, just built up a resistance on Crab Key, you know, ever since that's right. <laughs> <laughs> And and true enough, uh, you, first of all, this guy was a good friend of mine, and like I, you know, and I know why he had access. I don't want to get into it on this podcast, but uh, as you see in the final film, Bond does not handle plutonium with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. So Other characters let, do, but yeah. yeah, but but they're gonna die, so that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Electra doesn't feel like she's gonna die. I'm pretty yeah. sure she's she's hoping to uh, um, make it make it out. So um, Bond's ally. We don't know whether he dies in an explosion. Um, he did run towards it, which I've uh, I've always been concerned about. <laughs> sequence, like yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say there might be some references. No time to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things I find quite amusing about this film is the number of kind of like little model shots that they um, yeah. they use for like we, we I briefly mentioned the um, the, the car transitioning uh, which was just basically shot on a tabletop. A lot of these shots are model sh- just basically very small model shots. And there's a there's a shot where uh, Bond swan dives off into the water. Um, it's Gary Powell, it, stunt coordinator. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. Um, having having done having done the Golden Eye Dam jump for real, 
uh, right. to throw a little uh, action man figure um, in, into a into a puddle, you know, pool of water. It just seems sort of like you know, it's, and it's a, and, and they use that shot in you know quite a lot of promotional stuff for Bond. Yeah, and it's and it's it's kind of surprising when you look at it and you realize that it's just an action man. Yeah. So again, here's a goon we haven't really seen before with a little <laughs> goatee. Yeah, yeah. So this mm-hmm. this here is not on location. It's quite a good shot, isn't it? To to have mm-hmm. done to have done that. Um, I love the, the, the they only made half half of this submarine, which is you know this, this is a shot that gonna, this side of it right. that you're going to see. I'm wondering what your thoughts are uh, on Electra King's dress, because there are a lot of scenes when you look at some of the iconic images that come out, it's her straddling bond on the little sort of sex torture thing. Um, And this is a dress that is, you know, you can see through it a little bit at the top, but it's got some sort of like flower elements. I don't know if she's trying to be presented like Eve, you know, being sort of this temptress. Um, Any sort of thoughts on it? Do you think that it has aged well? Because I, I think that it's probably one of the most iconic um, uh, images. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I think yeah. it's yeah. beautiful dress. I think it's an absolutely mm. beautiful dress. Um, yeah. and I think um, it has, and it's lasted well. I think it, you know, yeah. you. We're also it, about it, to see how that uh, earring, well, not earring, that mm. earpiece of hers, that was CGI as well. Um, because lobes. that shows how, yeah, how her earlobes <laughs> have been cut off, and that was mm. CGI. Um, ah, so another Majesty's a, connection. Yeah. I was just about yeah. to say this. This is what connects it to Majesty's is the earlobe. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, I, I I quite like this little torture chair thing as well. And uh, um, people kind of think that the the title of the movie is fairly shoehorned in by uh, uh, Pierce in this scene, but I quite like it when he says it. Mm. You know. Um, yeah, I think it doesn't feel too bad to me, and and I quite like the one final screw line yeah. as well. I just like how Electra just had this hanging around in a in a place. <laughs> well, as she says they were digging around here and they found some very oh. interesting artifacts, and mm. she, uh, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is only a temporary residence. Maybe she was like, ah, oh, well, just in case I so, need this. I think Brosnan's pain face kind of. <laughs> this, this, this is this is what really started that whole thing i think yeah and it's I yeah it's it, easy to yeah. see why because i think it's quite nice like going back to fleming like that you often bond is tortured by a villain in some elaborate way and the films don't often do that um no not up until now yeah not, not up till this movie yes yeah so it's nice to see that but oh god looking at his face now yeah. but it's very clever it's a very clever choice for the film because it's bloodless Right, mm. and there's no right. sharp bits okay. or guns or flames. And, okay. You know, can, can I say uh, I live in Catalonia, and apparently this is a Catalan garrote uh, because mm. the um, it, it's a particular garrote where there's a bit in the neck which goes into the back of the neck which breaks the spinal column. Mm. Right, and they have those insert shots every time you know, with each yeah. notch mm. or what do you want to call it. Um, yeah, I have no problem yeah, with this he, scene. He, he, he kind of plays fine. it like he's gasping for air and choking a little bit, which doesn't make any sense. But yeah. mm. well, I, I also want to say that that um, I get on very well with uh, all my Catalan friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where. Yeah, just- um, 
Um, she tells a lot of her backstory, and so yeah. we like hear all the motivation, all that stuff. Yeah, at least he and, can't touch his face in this scene. Right. Yeah. That's why he's looking so pained, James. He's just desperate right. to kind of scratch his nose. Yeah, I'm all just need for a All yeah. we need is a light bulb above his head. Oh, that's what's happened. Oh. <laughs> Mm. Um, this is the to go back to the whole ED thing with Renard. I think this is what I this is what led me to believe that was a thing because she's taking pleasure here and giving him a boner against his will mm. because of the strangulation effect. Yeah, yeah. It's I was going to talk about costuming, but if you want to talk about boners, <laughs> <laughs> circulatory circulatory discussion. Uh, I do like this. I, I, I kind of, I'm torn between liking this linen suit and hating it because um, part part of it is quite it's quite a nice linen suit, but also it's kind of got a little bit of Alan Wickeriness about it. And, um, and it's not a very uh, convenient moment to wear it. Whatever the whatever it is, <laughs> you think about it. <laughs> but contrasted between you know the elegance of, of what uh, Electra's wearing and. Um, you know, bringing it back to kind of Lisa's point about you know the, this this being a very particular kind of look. Um, boss, boss. Uh, um, yeah, oh, God damn, this is such a such a waste of a. Uh, a I, I, I love how Zakowski shoots through the door and then kicks it down. That's great. I, love <laughs> I like his intervention here, actually. And <laughs> he's just yeah. like, "What the hell have I walked in on?" Right. Um, and then he oh, sees the hat okay. from his nephew or whatever it was. I find the line "bring it to me" a really strange yeah, thing. Why like, would you do that? Yeah, it yeah it makes no sense. Um, yeah, some speculation about whether or not he actually dies in this film or not. When oh, I was yeah. growing up, there was oh, the Double yeah. O Seven Spy Files magazine, which was the right. great thing when I was like 11, 12 years old, um, and that lists his fate as unknown. Yeah, so I think he dies. They, they shot they shot Bond checking his pulse. And they cut yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And what was the result of, of him checking the pulse? I, I don't know. I'm well, assuming he was dead. So, so Emma M- M- Confidential doesn't have an official opinion on that then? No, we don't. <laughs> I, I will say he dies simply because going back 60 years when a person dies on a TV or movie, mm-hmm. the head collapse. They close their dead. eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, close they, their they eyes. Cl- they're dead. When they close mm-hmm. their eyes, yeah. I just, I, I just like the character. I like think he would have survived to come back for future yeah. ones. And I guess they were hedging their bets with yeah, by leaving. I think, so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. You're, yeah. you're probably I think right. I was but like, he would come back. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would well, be great if he'd said, "Give it to me," and she'd walked over and he'd just put the hat on. That would. <laughs> <be good. laughs> uh, I like how many bullets it takes to kill Gabor. By the way, yeah. he like yeah, spends his whole round. Um, and I like the way that she smiles. (laughs) I like the Mm -hmm. fact that she, I mean, she seems to be having fun with this. She doesn't believe that Bond is going to kill her playing on his emotions. Um, I like how, I like how she just sort of makes this assumption and we see how Bond reacts and we're not used to seeing Bond. I don't know. um, By by the the, range, you know, by the way, Apted is swiping from Hitchcock and, uh, those those stair shots. 
Yeah. How tall is this tower? It's just, you know, <laughs> it's unlimited it's the, height. It's the, Do- oh. it's the Doctor Who trick of just using reverse shots for the same yeah. staircase. Yeah. Mm. And they cleaned up the rooms, but not the staircases. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all the rooms are like really beautifully done. Kind of done. It's a little bit crumbling, but they're still beautiful. But like the, the stairs up are just covered in cobwebs. And, mm. um, in the game, the um, Electra has. <laughs> in the game, Electra has Emma gunpoint here, which gives yes. you some urgency to kill her, but not in the film, obviously. You won't kill me, James. Oh, if I have to. <laughs> 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 I think you should do that. Oh, I'm shocked. One of my agents killed somebody, even though I order him to kill oh, people. The, the Bill Koenig ADR version. Of the <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I would listen to that. <laughs> I will if I have to. <laughs> oh, him, him sort of leaning over her first. <laughs> him leaning over her and caressing her hair and that kind of stuff. I get that they're going for, uh, you know, they bring M up here so that she is the observer of that moment, but um, just the staging of it is so I clunky know. with him, it's like horrible, very awkwardly yeah. bent over. Yeah. It's really. Oy. Here we yeah. go. Here we go. Action man. Look at this yeah. little model. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Like, here we go. And that's just like. The it just like a like a one of those artist models that you just throw, like you've done you've done the damn shot for real do that for real and yeah. just to talk just about geography the again like the the fact that he could jump from that platform and end up in that place yes. yeah. I, I was just assuming <laughs> that place where the submarine came up had a ceiling and I guess yes, it, it did. did. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it did. Right. And this is Here's the sexual assault rape connotation here, which goes unnoticed. Yeah. He leave. He leaves Christmas locked up, and he walks out, locks her up, and smokes a cigarette as he walks off. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. So to bring the tone down, but that's how <laughs> I read that. <laughs> yeah. No. It's. Uh, I mean, I guess they're all. Um, they're all gonna. Um, yeah. They're not very nice people, are they? Let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, I never really read um, it that way, just because of the previous conversation of impotence. Where, but then again, I mean, he could pull a Largo and be torturing her with oh, his no, and stuff. That's, it was the henchman. Oh, that's I thought you meant uh, Renard, and I'm like, ah. No, 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 oh, the henchman. My bad. Because Electra says, you know, take her away, and he kind of smiles, and then the next time you see him, he's lighting a cigarette as he's finished locking her up. So. Hmm. Which is, you know, cinema code for, you know. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Golden, golden rod. Um, hmm. It's it's weird that the you, you know the, the the creation of this plutonium or uranium or whatever it is um, is somehow kind of goes makes it gold. It's just it's just an odd, odd <laughs> choice to go. With. I hadn't thought about that, but it's black it just, when it's in its yeah. in its inert form that's safe to touch, and then when you're making it for the nuclear submarines, it turns gold. It turns gold. It's just, it, it really, it, it always struck me when I saw it. I was like, why is that like that? It's so stupid. Um, but like, I think there may be some kind of, I don't know, you know phallic connotation. Oh, it's obviously a phallic connotation, but to make it gold is just a weird thing. I just like yeah. to wonder why Bond spares these guys. Since hmm. they're going to yeah. drown anyway. 
Well, no, what well, my point is, he's like rounding them up saying, stand over there. I mean, yeah. just shoot them all. Davidoff in cold blood. He should yeah, just shoot just shoot these. You know the baddies? Uh, well, he that's held Gary, that one guy as a shield only. That's, that's Gary Powell, who's now the stunt unit coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, okay. in the Craig he's, area. Uh, he's, who is, yeah, who's in a lot of... Um, he's in GoldenEye. Um, it's the guy who holds him on the, on the boat. You know what probably up. happened was um, the stunt guys, like... There, there were these late pages like what bond can't handle well, the plutonium like oh we have to like redo this scene over now uh, i like the video game of this because mm. you know you really can get quite lost in the in the like because it starts to um fill up with water and you have to make your way out and it, it can be quite disorientating Oh, you must be talking about the N64 version, because I've only played the PlayStation 1 version, uh, which does not have water uh, filling in. But you do have to walk through a radioactive room at one point, um, and you can only be in there for a certain time before you die. (laughs) It's not in water, so the the submarine's flying then. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Sorry, Ben. No, I was just going to say, Carmen, it's, it's actually a really nice kind of thing to be able to turn, you know, turn the set on its side like this and kind of, mm. you know, change geography. I mean, when we looked at the caviar factory and just how awful the geography of that was, and then you cut to this and it's kind of like a nice, um, you know, clever, a clever conceit to kind of just turn the whole thing on its side and mm. make it a little bit more surreal. And I like it anyway. I was about yeah, to say just, exactly the same thing. Yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> I just think it was a little bit too close to that sequence in Tomorrow Never Dies where they're on a sideways ship underwater looking around. It's, mm. I guess yeah, they learned I how think. to build sets underwater. And then that, and that's that harkens back to you know going going through the ship in um, uh, a few eyes only. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then you know, there's all sorts of callbacks and callbacks on callbacks. Can you uh, say this must have been absolutely miserable to film this? Yeah, God, mm. that's awful, isn't it? But that water's really cold. It'll be freezing oh. cold water, yeah. uh, hard surfaces everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Your weather's closed. I also think it's ironic how both Electric King and Renard die in the way that they had limitations with each other. So Electric King is shot in the heart, but she was somebody who lacked the ability to feel. And Renard is somebody who's been presented as being not just unfeeling, but impotent. And the way that he dies um, is arguably sure. a reflection of that. So mm. That's such a good point. I've never realized that. Yeah. Huh. Right. And on, on top of everything else, they have to have this exposition dialogue. Yeah. Um, in the middle, like freezing cold water coming down on you. Like, mm. and actors don't like that generally anyway. Yeah. Just. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I do actually, I, I like this sort of bit, this idea that he's kind of got to, you know, move up to the next bit and that, you know, that she's responsible for kind of, that this, this is a gem, I, I don't know, when I saw this in the theatre, I, I, I genuinely kind of, it, I, I was holding my breath with Bond, I think, mm-hmm. and I think that's, you know, and that's, that's a very successful thing to be able to pull off in a, in a fairly light action movie like this, you know. Mm. Um, and you, he you, really, you really is underwater. Attention. That's the oh, other yeah. thing. It's 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 not like Roger Moore in Four Eyes Only with the right. the wind <laughs> blowing, you know, just uh 
<laughs> well, that wasn't Roger's fault, really, was it? That was no, uh, I know. Uh, I, 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 I know that. Yeah. yeah. I, I so wish I'd done that commentary. I'm, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Mr. Travis. <laughs> well, you know, but you can tell he's really underwater by his hair. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's not you know, you, could, you just can't. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's great. I just think that the thing is also that he's out. He he has no control over it. So you know that's the tension uh, mm-hmm. for for the yeah. piece. It's just you know that like normally Bond can can get out of anything, but it's not his. Uh, yeah, that's that's that feels like a genuine gasp of air, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. And either Renard isn't feeling the yeah. I guess the water coming in. Uh, yeah. I guess it'd be coming yeah, it in can, anyway. Yeah, he can't. He can't hear either. No, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's so well, intent on putting the plutonium in. Yeah, sticking his rod in the hole. This is a, this is a place where they really should have exploited his whole. Like at the very end of the film, you can go down the route of he's not feeling the pain, so you could have. I guess they don't want to go too violent with it, but you know, I mean, you could have him having limbs chopped off, but still, you know, fighting right. yeah. through it because he just doesn't a, feel it. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> but I think that that would have been interesting to sort of see him. You know, Bond goes up against someone that he can't really hurt. Um, I agree. But they just I think it was a wasted. It. Yeah, it's a wasted, uh, wasted opportunity Absolutely. there to kind like, of really like the Black Knight and Monty part. Python. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could have brought back uh, John Cleese as well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just fine. You don't have any arms or legs. I'm just fine. <laughs> the nuclear weird. family line's a bit shit. Yeah, uh, I hate it. Just a um, bit. Gonna take it out very carefully and slowly. This is uh, probably just... where Bond was supposed to be handling plutonium in the original <laughs> script. I suspect. Well, this whole thing just of them, you know, fighting over sticking this rod in or pulling it out. I mean, the phallic symbolism. <laughs> it just, you know, it, it's it's taken a little bit. Just a tad too far, I kind of. I, I kind of Robert Carlyle's acting is pretty good here, though. Yeah, bit pain face. They're not choking oh. each other properly. You can tell no. they're just sort of yeah. lightly holding each other's necks. Yeah. Oh, Pierce's Pierce's neck was kind of like uh, tender after that. <laughs> that scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> said, "Okay, Robert, we need to handle Pierce gingerly now. Yes, he's been through a lot in the previous scene." I just yeah. I love I love all of Pierce's kind of exclamations of pain are always coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's dying in this film as well that he starts to do a lot of huh? Huh? Right. After like lines of dialogue. He it's a tick that he has where he'll deliver a line of dialogue and then be like, huh? huh? <laughs> <laughs> they should have gotten, gotten Stanley to apologize all the exclamation points of the dialogue. <laughs> I want to find that he says the, the word bomb in exactly the same way that he says bond. Yeah. There's, a bomb. There's a bomb, James Bond. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. I did like Michael yeah. Lampton's comment in the commentary where he says basically, this is a bond movie. So we take you into the red zone, the needle hits the end, and we just keep going for a little bit longer. <laughs> 
She's waiting for you. Yeah, I did like that line. I like how much he enjoys this moment. Yeah, yeah. Like, he does look like he's sort of, yeah. Uh... Thanks, Bon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead now. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, right now, the danger point. Oh, we're going yeah. beyond, you know. Hoist by his own Renard. I don't know what the hell happens here because Christmas has some lines about I need to go and do something and then I think well, there's just a dodgy edit. Him. It feels like maybe yeah. this was something that oh, came yeah. out. She, uh, she, she, oh, out she goes, I have to stabilize the gas or something or we're going to blow up. Re- she has to reverse the polarity that. of the neutron flow. <laughs> and, well, and then there's some awkward <laughs> lines here about like, oh, it's fine, it's flooded. It doesn't matter even if it explodes. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just life for no reason. It's just like nobody gives a shit. You can just escape. Nobody's, nobody's, were you sitting in the theater going, hang on a minute. If she doesn't do that, the whole thing's going to blow up. One of the most familiar phrases in the 60s was, we have to reverse the polarity. And that's that's kind of what this is. Like, what's that mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, Sorry, it's a big I'm like thing. laughing so hard, I can't. It's a big say thing it. in um, <laughs> in Star Trek, isn't it? You know, I it's love it. It's John Pertwee's Doctor Who. He says, uh, cool. "Reverse the polarity of the neutron flow," which makes no sense because neutrons don't have any polarity. <laughs> oh, it's anyway. even. Never mind. I won't say it. So, uh, um, Aptid on the commentary does say, well, as soon as Renard said that he wanted to get out of the movie as quickly as possible, so that's yeah. why I think it got chop, 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 chop. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh, uh, this, but, is the, this is the the, the Aston Martin. Um, yeah, which um, we forgot to mention was cut from the funeral scene in the beginning yeah. of the movie. Hmm. Yeah, so it's it's it, you know it, it does make an appearance here, and a lot of people yeah. say you know, Bond takes money. Bond takes money penny to the funeral in the Me, DB5. Meanwhile, why is Istanbul having a fireworks show? It's New Year's. Is that well, it? Okay, I think it's supposed to be New Year's, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no, it's Christmas. Right, it's yeah. Christmas. Because it's Christmas, because he says it's an early form of the Millennium Bug, so it's not New Year. Mm. Okay. So again, this is a Christmas... I always tell people this is a Christmas Bond movie, and they're like, oh, yeah, just because the character's named about it. No, it's because it takes place on December the 24th. (laughs) (laughs) No decorations. That's right. They haven't, put the, they, haven't put well. the, they, haven't, they didn't get a chance to put the tinsel up in the Scottish headquarters. <laughs> 007. <laughs> Escape button. Must be an early form of the Millennium Bug. Yes. Please his best line in the movie. But uh, Yeah. Funny they gave that moment to him and not Desmond. But yeah. well, Come January 2nd, it dated horribly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I find this ending grown word. Horrible. Yeah, oh. it's, it's terrible because the, the, the only reason for giving her the, the name Christmas Jones is for the joke at the end, which is pathetic. But I will say with the end titles, they have an overture of various music yeah. from the film, which I do like. And yes. it's the only time they've done this, I think. There was a song um, that was supposed to be the end credit song, mm-hmm. wasn't there? But David yeah. Arnold sort of said that it was described as a, uh, a wrist slasher. So they yeah. decided to end the film with the Bond theme instead. Yes. But it's not just the Bond theme. There's like um, three or four different bits of other pieces of score. So mm. yes, it starts with the Bond theme, but we hear uh, music from the boat chase and the pre-titles. We hear... Mm a couple of other things it's mm. like i mean i like it and i wish they had done this actually for um 
die another day. But and I guess David Arnold did submit a version for that, but instead they went with an alternate uh, Madonna theme. So mm. only myself to blame was supposed to be the yes, song uh, over yes. the credits and by Scott I, Walker. Yes, yeah, Scott Walker. Yes, yeah. which is I on think, the soundtrack album. Yeah. The original. Yeah. After yeah. the shit that Experience of Love took on Golden, I think Arnold made the right choice. Oof, yes. Yeah. Because, uh, mm. yeah. you got to go out on a, you know, on a high. People leaving mm. the theatre. Yeah. Well, could you imagine following up the line, Christmas only comes once a year with like <laughs> some very sad, melancholy song, which yeah, apparently was written from the perspective of a lecturer <laughs> and all right. this. It's like, oh no. Like, thanks to I'm all the construction crew. I'm now and here's what I think. <laughs> I just think we just need Bill just doing <laughs> Electra's <A>, lines. ADR. <laughs> <laughs> just, just <laughs> if you could, yeah. I, that bit where she's just like being shot and she's lying there. He goes, I'm dead now. You mean like the Electra's inner monologue? Yeah. <laughs> Through the film. Um, oh. I think I don't we think gave I up could... on, the, on, on the face touching hand in no, pocket it, drinking it, it, game. It, 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 third act, there's like nothing. Mm. Yeah, I was looking out for it. I was waiting for yeah. my cue, but right. you know, <laughs> I'm sober now. Diligent. Right. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, I think usually you, you, you're so drunk by that point. Anyway, <laughs> you know, you give up. Um, I, I think there was a couple that we let slide, but I think it's yeah. okay. Um, it's a, it's we, a we challenge to go through it and find them all in real time. so by my count there were four lamonts in this film like three in the main titles and one in the uh, end titles michael uh the brother of peter yeah he had the model unit in this yeah Yeah. nepotism (laughs) (laughs) which is the point of isn't that the whole film industry Oh, music assistant, Greg Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, Copyright Jan Jack and United Artists Corporation. The only, <laughs> the only mention of United, United Artists oh. in this film. Yeah, uh, it was Bollinger. It, it was Bollinger. It wasn't Bollingham. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Well, well, oh, well, and, well, and the very well, end, the 75th. MGM logo. <laughs> there it is. Legacy of excellence. <laughs> yeah, before they went downhill. Went bankrupt but, again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, again. Um, again, again, again. Uh, yeah, well. Uh, I enjoyed that. out of the way. <laughs> no, I, I, I really enjoy- Oh yes, David, I remember you're a fan of this one actually, aren't you? Uh, it's my favourite of the Brosnan films, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't ask me why, but uh, I just enjoy it more. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm in Camp David. I mean, um, Camp David. Um, Spending <laughs> 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 so, the week, weekend with Trump or something. That's right. <laughs> I think that was about when Eisenhower was president. But, um, <laughs> Um, I think I think Goldeneye is the better film, but I actually I can I enjoy the world is not enough a lot. Mm. Mm. 
I'll say this. I think uh, David Arnold really stepped up. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. he did a great job the film before, but like when he came back, he didn't rest on his laurels. I think he did a great job. And I know some people disagree with me, but uh, I'll, that's my story. I'll stick with it. Hmm. Um, I, 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 I'm not, I just think it's such a, like, I mean, there's a, in, in the, um, in the film, um, everything or nothing, the, the documentary film that was made about, uh, you know, Bond. Yeah, it is um, a good, it's a great documentary. Fantastic. It's a fantastic yeah. documentary, and I highly recommend people people see it if they haven't seen it. Um, but it's got some great um, interviews, and one of which is um, where Brosnan is is basically going, I you know I can't remember. They all kind right. of blur into one yeah. in the middle, and that and that line there really um, kind of sums up my feeling about this film. It's sort of, it's just this kind of homogenous kind of um, lump of bond by know, the numbers. Yeah, mid, yeah. no, I, 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 I agree. I, I, I agree with you completely. But th- this is the film of the Brosnan era, the era that I enjoy more. And then, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's all very very samey, but. Uh, it's sort of like one of the Avengers movies, you know, where the color palette is all the same as the last three Avenger movies, and you can't really, you know, it just it feels very kind of filler well, and nothing. If I can say this, I think this is a precursor to the Craig films in that yes. there was an attempt to make it more dramatic, to make yes. it more different. Um, mm. Now, I think one reason it wasn't as different was Dana Broccoli was still around to keep an eye on the kids. So they couldn't go as different as they might have wanted to do. Uh, yeah, that's but, an interesting point, yeah. yeah. But I think the, the fact that they chose Michael Apted, whether he was first, second, or seventh, whatever it was, <laughs> uh, choice, um, you know, it's like once upon a time, he wouldn't even come up as a tenth choice. Um so I do think it was a toe in the water. Yeah, very mm. much so. Very much so. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, I'll Bond being injured and being central to the plot. Attack yeah. on MI6. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're down now to just one one Brosnan movie, which is mm. Lisa's favorite. Yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> can you vote for my favorite movie please so calvin this was your choice was, it was is this has this always since you first saw it always been like prime bond or is or is oh, it kind of or is it waxed and waned and and gained and lost oh, oh if anything gained um i absolutely love this film and i i think it's probably the most underrated bond probably second to octopussy i really love this film and i'm very much aware that a big part of that probably comes from when i was becoming a bond fan in my adolescence this was like this was the new one this was the one mm-hmm. that was coming out and when you're 10 years old the newest is the best and it uh, maybe it, it i'm sure it does play better to you know 12 year olds than it does uh <laughs> a lot you know, uh, uh, older age categories, but I, I, I've always really liked it. I know the action always works with me. I can understand people complaining about, oh, this is a scene too much. We don't need all this. And I can see that, but I enjoy it. I really like what they do with Electra King. I think she's one of the strongest villains in the entire series. And I appreciate when the Brothman films do kind of 
turn a, a preconceived notion on its head. And I think they do it with Paris Carver as well in Tomorrow Never Dies, where it's like taking, you know, like, oh yeah, what would it be like if Bond met up with a former flame from another right. adventure or here, like, you know, what if the Bond girl is the Bond villain at, at the end of it? And I think it's nice and interesting when they do those things. Yeah. Um, I, I think it really works for me. It's one of my go-to sort of chill out and put it on. And yeah, some of it's silly. Brosnan's acting isn't great. And some of the more dramatic scenes suffer from I think a bit soapy direction. We have a couple of slaps in there that feel like they should be, it's you know, like Dynasty uh, or Dallas or something. Well, yeah, no, it's it's like after Judy Dench slaps Electra, it's like and get out of my pub sort of uh, moment. <laughs> she, but, she does a Pat Butcher on Electra. <laughs> but that being said, I love it. I love it in in spite of its flaws. Um, Christmas only comes once a year. Gets a good laugh out of me. I. I yeah, I oh, really, really like this film. <laughs> and for the prosecution, Ben Williams. <laughs> I just want to say um, that I think that I like the story. Uh, I think that there's a lot of interesting uh, ideas in it, um, as, as, as Calvin says. Um, you know, the, the dichotomy between, you know, uh, the... the the two lead villains and um, I, I just think it just wasn't executed very well. Um, and I think all of these wonderful, and in a, in a way to have really good ideas and not do them well is, is kind of worse than having no ideas and just having something showy like Goldfinger or something. Um, <laughs> oh. and, <laughs> well you know to, to, uh, i know goldfinger is very much like the fleming plot mostly um it's actually improved bond, upon i think in the film yeah, yeah improved upon um but you know bond does kind of just casually walk through that movie um yeah. whereas Whereas this, you know, Bond is more involved and there's more interesting kind of character dynamics. There's there's kind of things that you're exploring relationships that you didn't have before. There's lots of, of really good stuff going on in there. It's just, as Calvin says, it's it's just kind of presented in a very kind of soapy way. And I just, I think the thing is that I, would, I, I don't care about Electra and I don't care about Renard. I don't care about the relationship. And if I did... Uh, I, I think it would be much more interesting and a much more film that I could invest more in. Yeah, it's it's odd for me because it's actually the last film, the, the last Bond film that I saw in the UK uh, before I moved to Barcelona. And um, and I, I, I don't know if that makes any difference on on the way I, I see it now or not because the, then obviously the first the first bond film I saw after moving here was, was die another day which you know which is a whole uh, story but um, and I, I I didn't particularly like it at the time I just found it um, the, the same kind of, of, of um, kind of bland, Storytelling <laughs> as the two previous movies for, uh, in in the, with, with Brosnan, even though I, I do like Brosnan Brosnan as Bond, but uh, I, I I watched it on on video at home and uh, a, a couple of times, and I thought actually uh, I do I do like this film, and 
I like it much more than all the Brosnan, the other Brosnan films. And I have really, I have no idea why, but it, it uh, <laughs> somehow it afterwards, uh, uh, after the, after the, the initial experience at the cinema and so on, uh, and, and watching it a few times, it just, uh, there, there's something about it that just strikes a chord with me. And, and yeah, it, it's not the best film in the series, uh, by a long shot, it's not. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, it, yeah, probably it, it, it's very um, uh, soapy and so on, as you say. But uh, I like it all the same. So, uh, and I, I, you know, there's no way, uh, there's no way that I can uh, explain that. It's just uh, I do, and that's it. I respect that, though. I like both both those comments of like, I like what I like, and maybe I can't explain why. I think nostalgia and how we watch films and where we watch films and what they conjure in us. Maybe it's feelings of youthfulness. Maybe it's feelings of a different time, place, and space. I think all those things influence our our preferences and, and what, we, what we feel about films. So I feel that way about so many of the Moore era films because to me, it was about watching them and laughing along with my dad, even though I can tell you everything that's troublesome and problematic with them, but I still like them you know, regardless of that. And so I think that there's something that, that, that there's sort of like a purism of, of pleasure that comes from nostalgia um, that really does shape the way that we engage with and, and feel about these films. As for me and my feeling about this film, I, one of the reasons why I look fondly on the Brosnan era films is because I feel as though we have a repopulation of the world of Bond with women in a variety of mm -hmm. different spaces and roles. I see a strengthening of women as partners to Bond. Uh, some of them are more co-heroes than others. But we also see the return of female villainy, which is pretty much gone uh, throughout the Moore era, where there's a centering of Bond and his relationship with the Bond girl and or domestication of the Bond girl. And there's less challenges to Bond uh, coming yeah. from women from the outside. So I like the Brosnan era because there are women challenging Bond. And I think this is a film that stands up because it has a female as the primary villain. And that's something that hasn't happened before. And it's not really happening since. I don't really look no. at the Craig Aaron sit there and be like, you know, where are my villainous women at? I mean, I can talk when we get to Casino Royale about the representation of Valenka which I have serious problems with Bond's probably most dangerous mortal ally and the way she's presented. Uh, but we'll, we'll leave that for that commentary. Um, but I think for me, Electric King, just like last week, you know, Tracy DiVincenzo, those are the reasons why I connect with these films as a woman who watches these films. I, I don't always connect with, say, Bond and his uh, desire for adventure and experience, but I kind of sometimes connect with the women and their quests so I think just for that reason, this is a film that uh, should be on more people's radars, at least for a second viewing, right? Give it another shot just to see what the film is trying to do, particularly with women uh, in the world of Bond. If, if I can say, just to reinforce my previous comment, um, like I said, Dana Broccoli, Albert Broccoli's widow, was still around. She didn't pass away until 2004, I believe. So Michael Wilson and Barbara Broccoli are, they're doing the heavy lifting, but Dana Broccoli still around kind of keeping an eye out on Cubby's legacy. And in a way, I think this is like a um, transition film 
between uh, the 20th and 21st century. Right. And it's uneven as a result, but I do think it is a transition. Hmm. I hadn't really considered that, but yeah, it's a good point, Bill. Um, you know, was that a time when we didn't really know what was going to, how that was going to work, that segue was going to work? It's, uh, yeah. Um, and it was, and it was also advertised that way. Yeah. Hmm. That this is the last Bond film of the millennium. And, you know, as right. we head into a new millennium and as, as the clock ticks down to the millennium, I mean, yeah. it was all over the marketing yeah. It, re- rewind, re- rewind 20 years, everyone. Did you predict this century? Right. <laughs> right. And a lot of the stories, you know, building up to the publicity of this film, talked about that anecdote. I read it like three or four different versions about Barbara Broccoli calling up Michael Apted. Like, are you sure you want me to direct this? Oh, yes, we do. We want to do a change. So, yeah, that was, that was part of the publicity at, at any rate. Yeah. I always feel Brosnan got a little bit shortchanged in his scripts. He, well, like he massively, like, massively, yes. I agree. Well, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, this was very much a tag team, and I think it's kind of uneven as a result. Did it benefit? Well, I mean, I think at the time of the after the film came out, Brosnan was talking about like two years between films isn't quite long enough, and. Um, I think that's shown in the um, uneven tone of the script here, mm. right? The, the rush yeah. to rewrite the end and polish it up and stuff. I don't. Th- I think they could have done with a little bit of extra time. Not that I'm saying the extra year helped die another day in any way. <laughs> right. Fun. It's not always, you know, not every extra year helps the story. But well, well yeah, maybe if you'd seen it a year before, you'd have a different perspective. <laughs> Well, rather famously from Russia with Love, which of course was on the one a year schedule, um, they were like well into filming when Maybaum came up with the idea of having Grant shadow Bond. And so, I mean, they had begun filming when, you know, they did those rewrites. So sometimes extra time helps, sometimes not so much. And let's face it, after after, um, Skyfall, they had a... They had at least a, a proposal for two more uh, screenplays, didn't they? So, Sony said, you know, the next one will be out in two years. And then uh, Barbara Broccoli and Daniel Craig shot it down. They mm, like yeah. they cut the Sony executives legs out from under mm. in a public interview. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So my I, I, my first impressions of seeing this film when it first came out was I, it was great to see Bond shout at people. <laughs> like he's genuinely annoyed at, at times in this film. Um, he's a bit more aggressive in his expressions, I think. Um, and it kind of harked a little bit. I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying it harked back a little bit to me of Bond in Doctor No, Connery's portrayal of him, where he's a little bit rough around the edges and he gets pissed off. Yeah, he genuinely gets pissed off. And there's a little bit of that in this. I'm not yeah. saying it was intentional or anything. It's just that. I like that he doesn't walk through this film um, bulletproof. Right? He gets injured emotionally. He gets dinged up, you know. And I know it's kind of like small potatoes compared to the Craig era, but um, yeah. I was just going to say it's sort of it, it's you know it's a little bit like harkening back to the um, uh, you know the earlier Connery Bonds because of because of that and yeah. Anyway. 
I did see a, I did see a, as a behind the scenes photo, I think of Brosnan in his trailer with a script and he's making notes on it. I don't know whether I can remember seeing this photo, but all he scribbled is like a sad face emoji. And like, a tear. like he had to remind himself that he was supposed to be sad in that moment. I'm like, Anyway, oh, I love it. Did he did he use a sharpie and write sad <laughs> <laughs> or paint? Do you, do you, do you put that like <laughs> smells fart? <laughs> Snap my fingers here. That that will work. That will work. Anyway. I, I really enjoy this film. I really like it. I just think there's some stuff that could have been uh, and a bit of extra time in the script would have been great. And there's also some egregious, we've got to use this stunt sequence, make it work in the story bits, especially the power Hawks makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, right. Um, right. You know, and the, and the, and the tree cutting things in the caviar factory. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just all hangover stuff. You know? Right. Yeah. Because like I mentioned earlier, the tree, uh, um, sawing things were like like from two movies ago which we yeah. couldn't fit in it's like time to use them yeah. gotta get them in yeah, which i don't uh, like couldn't that, handle like... the plutonium <laughs> don't handle the plutonium whatever you do don't do it and, and and the gadgets are a little bit it does this 10 minutes later press the button oh we used it for the exact same thing we designed it for it's like that was yeah. a step backwards compared to tomorrow never dies but bonds and ingenuity and way able to think his way out of situations is always one of the traits of the character i think that is undone in like the games and mm. um some of these movies where the the gadget just does what it says on the tin mm. he's a phrase i so. agree i think it's one of my favorite things about casino royale is the introduction of, of bond during the chase sequence with Malaka, it's just him out thinking or, you know, yeah. or, or not, or at least it's kind of applying innovating. natural thinking. Yeah. Innovating to get, you know, there's a, there's a, a, an adversary who is, uh, is, is technically better than him, but he's able to keep up because of that, that way, that lateral thinking. And yeah. I think it's part of Bond's character. And I think in this film, there is, there's very few instances where you can kind of, um, point to kind of lateral thinking or, or even I think thinking. the only moment in the whole film that I think that's like that Ben is when he's in the toilet on the plane where he's like oh shit I've got to make myself an ID card and he gets out um, his universal exports photo and yeah I know and that, that's kind of really surprising yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems that's out of weird, character that they, that they, he, he, right. he would he, he would take that on a on a mission anyway it seems kind of ridiculous right. my name is James Bond <laughs> I live out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that spies, spies have an ID card seems kind of right. ridiculous. But I do agree, it is a, it's a moment of innovation. Um, but it's also kind of, um, uh, yeah, also when he kind of just jumps and grabs onto the chains and, you know, to avoid the explosion, uh, I guess is kind of a, something similar to that. But, it, you know, I don't know. I just think it's fairly, it just feels very pedestrian and it, and it, um, things that should be exciting aren't things that, you know, we're, we're told kind of like to be excited by a, by a prefabricated office landing. Right. Right. Um, you know, I just, I feel like there's not a lot that kind of excites me that much about this film. I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm now I'm now imagining a scene where Goldie is frisking Bond and, uh, and he's, he's going, who did you say you were? And he said, oh no, I'm a nobody. 
who did you say you were? And nobody, he reaches it in his, into his uh, breast pocket, pulls out his wallet and takes out his ID card. And, so, yeah, <laughs> so you're James Bond, 007 of the British Secret Service. As Bond says, oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like his Playboy card in Diamonds of Forever, isn't it? You know? <laughs> At least that doesn't say 007. <laughs> yeah, no, that, leave, that, leave that to his camera that's got that written on there. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree, James. It's kind of like it's, it's a nice little touch to have Look, that's one of the sequences I actually do quite like about this film is where, and we said it when we were watching it, that, you know, he, he's kind of just playing it by ear. And um, I think that's, there are some nice Bondian moments. Um, to be honest, uh, I feel like I, I preferred the video game to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and the controls for that were shit. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was better on the N sixty four, Calvin. It's way better on the N sixty four. Oh yeah, I haven't played that one yet. Uh, it's it's way better game than the PlayStation version. Mm. Yeah, I've played both. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Um, all I can say is that uh, it it was not. It, it, I enjoyed watching it with you guys uh, far more than I do kind of watching it on my own. I'd say it's also an odd film in that. I don't think there's anybody in it that's come out post film and done any kind of positive press for Bond. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. Go down the list of everybody that's in the movie. Have you seen them talk about it since? Yeah. Well, Brosnan. Well, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes. Brosnan was killed auto accident like a month after it came out so like he wasn't gonna be, be yeah, I mean, usually one of the two of the cast members will be like interviewed on like whenever there's an anniversary or a new movie coming out where right. you see them pop up at the premieres and stuff yeah. and then like Zero. Pierce Brosnan says well anything after Golden Eye is a blur so it's like okay, <laughs> not favor. and then mm-hmm. like Deese Richards oh I was so alone and I was maltreated well that's not an endorsement so um, no, I, I feel I'm talking like like five, ten, fifteen years later. Understand. It's like, but yeah, yeah it's not like it's not like Sophie Marceau speaks up. Oh, that was one of the best moments of my career. Like, well, that doesn't. Matter. Did I do a bomb movie? I can't remember. <laughs> Michael yeah. acted well. I I got some offers after I did it, so that's about the closest you get. Um, <laughs> Yeah, didn't he direct the the uh, Chronicles of Narnia film that killed that mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. franchise? Mm-hmm. It's it's well, then. Yeah, I just I think that that really with a di- and and this is not to to denigrate him too much, but I think with maybe a, a different director, you, you might because I don't think the story or the script is 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 really terrible at all. Um, but I think a different director would have would have given us a very different beast and um i'd be i'd be interested to know what you know what this film would have looked like if campbell had come back mm, to yeah i'd say vic armstrong in the second unit really really delivers some solid stuff mm. don't know uh, you know he's in he's in very vic, vic has been doing that for so long um and he's so comfortable and capable of it that it really does it 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 marks a real difference. You know, the, the second unit stuff is fantastic. 
I mean, apart from the, uh, the, the, the Parahawks kind of stuff being, I think that just came down to the fact that they were very unwieldy and didn't really do what they were supposed to do. Um, so it's very difficult to kind of create a sense of dynamism and, and right. with, with, a, with a vehicle that doesn't actually turn. You know what, Ben? You know what we should do after suffering yeah. that? Uh, in the next one, let's use hovercrafts. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, because yeah. that that will that will rectify that problem. Unwieldy vehicles that can't turn properly. Was yeah, <laughs> double down. Um, yeah. So we do we want to nominate yes. uh, the next one? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say next. Uh, week is my wife's birthday, and so I'm going to be cooking her dinner, oh. so I'm out. So this is when you nominate Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was leading into, and her favorite Bond film is <laughs> this one. And, uh, <laughs> uh, actually, her, 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 favorite, her, her, her favorite Bond film is Casino Royale. Yeah, she has, oh. uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I won't nominate that one because I'm out. So uh, I... I, I I'm, I'll sit the vote out, I think. Unless. Kevin, do you want to adopt uh, David's vote? Oh, okay. What, Casino Royale? Or, uh... no, no, you can pick one. Oh, goodness. Um, oh, I hadn't prepped for this. Sorry, Calvin. Um, <laughs> I wasn't, oh, no, I, I wasn't no. trying to uh, drop you in the shit, but. Oh, oh no, no, no. Actually, I'm, I'm going to go for Diamonds Are Forever, uh, it being Pride Month. I think it's right. the last opportunity yeah. to uh, make that work. So I'll go for Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, nice choice, Kevin. Who wants to jump in? Um, oh, God. All right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate... God, I've done, I think I've nominated this already, so forgive me. Um, but I'm going to go with Spy. All right. Or, mm. the spy, or to, to, to make some, some people happy. The spy who loved me. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, Mark. <laughs> Lisa, Bill, up to you. Lisa, go ahead. Hmm. Oh, we're going to go with Octopussy again. All right. Yay. <laughs> I'm going, I'm taking the Thunderball. Ah, damn you, Bill. <laughs> if that wins, I'll, I will never win. talk to you again. <laughs> Oh, oh, in that case, well, what should I do? In that, oh, no, no, no. That's Bill's nomination. Is we, we, we can't do D- David's favorite film next week if he's not going to be on. No, 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 you, yep. you can. If that's your nomination, that's your nomination. I know how you feel about me. That's all. <laughs> you know what? All right. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm taking it off the table. I'll, uh, I'll say tomorrow never dies. All right. Oh, really? Alright, I think we have our four locked in and we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Bye. Thanks everybody. Take it easy. <laughs>